Hello and welcome to The One One, your West Australian racing podcast. I am BJ Ryan. Episode 56 is proudly sponsored by Betfair. Don't bet harder, bet smarter with Betfair. So, as always, I'm alongside the Perth racing guru, Terry Layton, and today we are joined by two of the brightest young minds in WA racing, Scott Embry and Scott McCormick. G'day, Terry, and welcome, fellas. BJ, Terry, Scotty. Terence, Bernard, it's great to be here. BJ, Scott, Scott. I'm going to say each other's names, or how are we, uh, we kicking off? So we've uh, we've got Scotty Embry and Scotty Mack. I think that's what we're going to be rolling with today. For well, I've actually uh, what have you got, got a little bit of information okay. from Mr. Peter McCormick, actually. Um, apparently, uh, Scotty, uh, Scotty McCormick's nickname is uh, Twig. So uh, we can roll with Twig today. Twig. Scotty and Twig. Okay, I expected that to come up, but I thought it would have come from... Uh, Scotty Embry nah, over nah, here. I had a little you. bit of the uh, a little bit of texty with your uh, your old man last night just to get a little bit of information. And it's actually good to see Scotty make it. Uh, this is Scotty I'm talking about now, Embry, mm-hmm. not Twig. Uh, make it all the way um, to Ascot uh, from his uh, new million-dollar mansion in um, Wembley Downs as well. So um, thanks for coming along, Scotty. It's a rare venture. Mm. It was um, worth the tickets. <laughs> so welcome to the 1-1, fellas. Today we're going to be... I guess sorting through CB Cox Stakes Day on uh, at Ascot this weekend. But prior to that, just wanted to, I guess, get your racing resumes. Most people will know Scotty Embry, of course, from Sky Thoroughbred Central Racing Radio. He's also just come from recording the box seat on the uh, Perth Racing uh, social media channels as well. And uh, Scotty McCormack, obviously son of our regular guest, bookmaker mm. and punter, Pete McCormack as well. So Identical. Sorry? Identical. Yeah, chip off the old block. Um, so, yeah, we just – yeah, I think it'd just be good for the listeners to know where you, where you come from, how you do your form, and, and how you guys work through your winners. So, Scotty Mark, just start from you. I see you've got a laptop and uh, the Racebook printout, but no index cards. What's going on? No, no index cards um, for me, although I just use the Excel spreadsheet on the laptop, so I kind of modernised it a little bit. Um, still got the ratings on there, so I do – um, yeah, as everyone would probably know, I'm the son of the one and only Peter McCormack, um, bookmaker, extraordinaire, new, extraordinaire, newfound punter, um, extraordinaire, you'd say. Um, but yeah, so just been with involved in racing since a young age with through dad's bookmaking and um, been going throughout high school whenever I could. Actually started going with um, old Scotty Embry here since we we're about what 14, 15 years old and. Develop the love from there, and um, has Scotty aged since then, by the way. <laughs> uh, aged a little bit, hasn't grown Has though. He? Yeah, <laughs> probably got yeah. probably got a bit shorter. Yeah. Um, the, over, say, the over and under on lines about your height today is about twenty five. <laughs> I reckon, by the way. So I was going to say um, thanks for BJ for bringing his uh, kids' booster seat to <laughs> let him up on the um, join us up high on the table. So um, uh, that's a good. So hang on, just backtrack. Fourteen. How do you guys know each other? Uh, we went to high school together. Um, Couple of hail boys. Oh, very yeah, good. Right. And then yeah. Played hockey together and then found a friendship through racing, I guess. Um, so, did you convert Scotty Embry to racing, or were you already, did you already come have some racing heritage? I suppose. Scotty? No, no, I I don't have any racing heritage. Yeah. I I like telling people because it's a true story that my granddad is a mug punter. He loves it. Racing radio take after your granddad then. is yeah. on from. <laughs> light up to light out yeah. and uh no I, scotty mccormack was big a big influence in how i ended up here because i started following scotty and scotty started following peter so i followed the pair of them and 
We went to Ascot's and Bunbury's and Pinney's and anywhere that uh, Peter's BMW would take us. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a BMW back then. So, Scotty Mac, so you you obviously um, learnt a lot of your philosophies from from your father, who's a weights um, ratings guy. Have you do you follow your father's in your father's footsteps? Like to the letter or have you tweaked a few things? What's, what's your methodology for how you study the form? Yeah, so obviously growing up with um, with my dad, I'm a very much more of a bookmaker frame of mind as well and he does it with the weights and kilos and um, through Don Scott. So I've gone a very, very similar similar way to him where it wouldn't be exactly the same but I've kind of, um, I guess, tweaked it a little bit, got my own my own way to do it but very similar kind of, um, kind of way that he does it with the everything done in kilos and um, not like using the times as much. Um, but yeah. So. Do you guys share darts or do you both um, for the, with the dartboard or do you? Um, oh, we take turns. So take turns, whoever okay. hits one, yeah. Okay, yeah. makes sense. Yep, okay. So what about the bookmaking side of things? Has that been something that's ever appealed to you or are you more focused on the, the punting side of the game? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so working with Dad, I've been working with him on and off since I was 18. I got a bit of the travel bug, so taking a few breaks in between, but um, always on the stand. I've um, bookmaked a few times as well, so where he hasn't, he's kind of left me or let me take the reins and um, I've run the show and everything. And yeah, I, I love the bookmaking side of things. Um, sometimes more enjoyable than punting, but also sometimes can be <laughs> a lot more painful. Do you ever wish, I, I often say that I wish I was um, born in the, I, I feel like I was born in the wrong era. Like I would have loved to have been around before, we love Betfair, we're not uh, having a go at Betfair, but we'd love to have been around before Betfair, before online bookmaking where you had to do your betting at the track or, you know, you had to find an illegal SP bookie somewhere hidden around the corner and there was actual proper, oh, that was like proper punting back in the day, actual hard foldy stuff. I, I feel like I, I've missed out there. Do you reckon being the son of a, Bookmaker, you would have uh, enjoyed that sort of oh, time of life. Absolutely. I mean, if you look back, what, 20, 30 years ago, and there was at least 30 bookmakers mm -hmm. on track and people everywhere, and now it's dwindling, or dwindling down to a lonely four or five on a Saturday, and I don't think there was one on a Wednesday the other day. So it's a, mm. definitely a bit of a dying art and absolutely would have loved to have been around in those times to see what it was all about. It's actually not a bad segue into a day that Scotty and I went down to Mount Barker on Munger Up Stud Day and were bookmaking together. So Scotty was- Grapes and Gallops. Grapes and Gallops yeah. Day. Uh, Scotty was agent. Peter wasn't there. So Scotty was on the stand and I was clarking away with him and uh, there was no reception, no internet connection oh. underneath the uh, tin roof at Mount Barker. <laughs> so we were bet fearless and as were the other bookies that were there. And so a decision was made coming into Munger Up Sprint that somebody needed to run outside, check what <laughs> Betfair was doing to see that we weren't betting blind. And we found that uh, Dreamlifter was into 240 trading hard and everyone in our little ring was betting 420. So we had the great idea of, hang on, why don't we set up the old uh, rabbit trap here <laughs> and we'll take the 420 and... Plung, we're laying it plung, at about $3 on... Plunge um, this ourselves. Well. And uh, that's the day that Mitchell Pateman stood up in the irons at about the 150 and gave the world's biggest salute. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's been a been a heck of a ride for the two of us. <laughs> yeah, That's cracking. <laughs> that's brilliant. So, Scotty Mack, have you any ambitions of taking over the family business? Oh, it kind of depends. I don't really know what what the future holds for me just yet with everything. Yep. Because um, you've just, just recently come back from New South Wales. Yeah, from Parks in New South Wales. I was working with a friend over there with his new uh, new business um, and back here now and I think I'm back um, in WA for, for good at least. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since um, 
I've been stuck here for longer than four months. Um, it, something I might look into maybe venturing if it's a possibility, but just trying to figure out, trying to find some winners and figuring out my new rating system, which is pretty fresh still, um, which I started in quarantine when I came back when COVID started back earlier in the year. So I spent my two weeks developing my whole new system. Um, so yeah, maybe down in the future, something I could look into. Very good. Scotty Embry, um, as I said, uh, one of our leading young racing media personalities, also a very astute punter. Um, tell us a little bit about your, you've touched on it a little bit, about your introduction into racing and um, obviously um, hooking up with Scotty Mack and high school days and then um, onto um, clerking and all that sort of stuff. What has been your evolution um, in racing since then? Well, I actually went with a little flashback here. I've got the old, what we used to call the comp, which is what Scotty <laughs> and McCormack and I used to do back in the day. And this document is dated 2012. So it's a long time ago now, but we used to have a tipping competition between the two of us. You'd pick out a top four and get four points for first, three, two, one. And the loser would then pay for drinks the following Friday night at Gloucester Park, can oh, you believe? Yeah. After dark. After dark mm. on a Friday night. And That's why uh, I'm broke now. <laughs> the drink of choice was slate and it's so long ago they don't even make it anymore. <laughs> so yeah, Is Scott, bourbon? It was yeah. bourbon. Oh, dearie, <laughs> on, a, on a Friday night at the Red Hots. Yes. I don't think there was a lot of punting that went on, but we enjoyed being out there in and amongst the uh, the atmosphere. But that's how we started out yeah, together, yeah, yeah. Uh, following the races. And so that led to a lot of different things. So probably the first learning point was spending time with Scott, spending time with Peter. I mean, clerking for Peter, I was able to sit and watch how he read races, how he did things. And it probably was the biggest learning point for any punter out there that that bookie's mindset of get the favourite beat that is what will turn you profitable in the long term. The small little rules that you pick up along the way from people that have done it forever. Um, up until about six months ago, I didn't bet under $3. And that was just the, the main pillar of profitability for me. So recently, I've changed staking structure and it means now that I'm betting under 3 but still above 250 But from learning from Peter, I teed up with... Um, Matt Rigby, Jason Cheatham at Punter Bookmaking, started working for them. I, Terry will remember, spent uh, quite a while running the book from the, for them on a Wednesday. And then there was a day where uh, Chris Nelson and I were out here on the stand on Winterbottom Stakes Day. So that's probably, in terms of the uh, bookmaking side, the, the one highlight of my short-lived career. <laughs> uh, but um, that was so fun. Learned so much about different ways of punting, different punting styles. Uh, running a Dutch book and just went from there into radio, radio into Sky and met so many different people along the way. Worked with Don Byrne when he came over and did the handicapping review. Um, yeah, a fairly close relationship with Paul Daly, who is a, an exceptionally smart East Coast professional punter. I worked with Ed Kennett for a while at Red Belly Sports. So it's been a whirlwind little learning trip and us, as anybody in this game knows, the best part is you learn new things every day and every meeting and it's that, um, that form part, the puzzle part and the gambling part that you can always increase your efficiencies, always increase your profitability and in the end it's all about making stupid mistakes, uh, stopping making stupid mistakes. So both of you guys have careers outside of racing. Um, Scotty, you're a teacher? Is that teacher, right? yeah, or phys ed teacher. Yeah. And, um, that's what the business was over in New South Wales, yep. taking sport into primary schools. Very good. And 
you I noticed that your your nickname on Racing Radio went from slip to silk. So is was that to coincide with your uh, movement completing, I guess, your your legal uh, your lawyer's degree? Is well, that- they've actually always been the same thing. So right. slip was short for slippery, right. slippery customer, slippery customers, a slippery customer, the old Geraldton Galloper, right. Ken Nightingale. But yeah. no, it was actually originally let it slip, yeah. Ben and Dan Pierce. Uh, but yeah, slip turned to silk because yeah. I've yeah now been uh, a practicing lawyer for just on three years. So I, I do that. Monday, Tuesday, Friday, races Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. So today, today's my day off. Mm. And this is what you chose to do, eh? Exactly right. Just shows. So how did you manage to get those that that balance between the racing and, and your um, career as a, as a lawyer? Well, I mean, obviously, practicing lawyer, I have a law degree, but I did a Bachelor of Law, Bachelor of Science. So I've got a Bachelor of Science majoring in genetics and mathematics. So that, that math side is where all the percentages come out. Everything that I do in form yep. is based on a ratings number, a market percentage, and a price, and working out where you can, where you can't get value. Time management, is completely different. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much an early bird, so um, I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen 9 p.m., but I wouldn't have slept in past 5.30 in a long while either. Yeah. So it's just about managing when you can get things done and it's very structured. I'm not somebody that you can text and say, can you come to dinner tonight because I know what we're doing for dinner a week in advance. We have a meal planner. It's very boring to an extent, <laughs> but it's very structured. I was going to say, you have to book him a month in advance to be able to catch up with him at all. So, yeah. hard man to come by. Certain people get in with about a three-day gap, but, yeah, most people have to wait a month. <laughs> we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty lucky then, aren't we? A week, two weeks. So, to keep life interesting, this actually probably goes to the pair of you. Um, I hear a rumour you're both Freo Docker supporters. Oh, throwing through. Long suffering. How, did, how do we fall down that rabbit hole? Well, Might be different, I think, for me. <laughs> Everyone else is an Eagle supporter, and I just thought, you know, new team on the block. Um, back in 1995, I think I decided. So you were part of the first, first I think crop was, of Frio supporters? Oh, I think I was five. How old was I? Three years old back then or four years old. And, yeah, I thought I'd jump on and just decided to go for them. No reasoning to I it. Think, it. I think we were both inaugural year babies. I think the Dockers were not – well, we're both 93 babies and that's about when the Dockers started. But I know that I, my mum entered me in a competition – to be a docker for a day. And so I ran out through the banner with Sean McManus on Anzac Day. If there was some footage of that, I'd pay good yeah, money. That, I'd pay that really, really good money. I have, I have photos of the oh, little, I know, little I know Scotty them. fully kitted out in a docker's kit. But yeah, down in the rooms, it was, oh, I mean, I'll obviously never forget it, but yeah. we were both growing up. We went to school together. We played hockey together. We went to docker's games together. And then we started going to the races together. So, yeah, for probably... When I was, say, Scotty started traveling, let's say he was 24 or 23, 24, we'd, at that stage we'd probably been best mates for nine or ten years. Was it a, has it been a tougher experience um, supporting the Dockers or was it a tougher experience uh, owning Hilbert? Ooh, now <laughs> Hilbert is actually up there with probably one of the faster galleries. the other day? Yeah. No. Yeah, we saw him for. Uh, I saw he was nominated. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he ended up running. No, I think no, he, he was scratched run. at Collie. Ah, okay. Yeah, I saw. Yes. It was in, I saw it was in somewhere deep country. So uh, yeah. Oh Tom well, there, there were some names in Hilbert. Uh, all the Fernies. Um, Hollingsworth. Dane Disco. Hollingsworth. Yes. Oh, it, we had to endure mm. some bad rides too. Mitchell mm. Pateman, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, 
the Dockers are frustrating. They'll always be frustrating, but I suppose you get to a point where you just understand that there's bigger things in life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, funny stuff, yes. Well, um, they've actually got some good young talent. Oh, let's not talk about the Dockers. Hey, Christ, come on, let's talk about the Dockers. They give us hope and then they yeah. just tear us down every year. So, <laughs> if they were a racehorse, they would be sigil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scotty Mack, uh, are you just do you have any shares in any horses at the moment? Yeah, so I've actually got a little bit of a share in flow ah, as well. So I've been riding that that one too, um, and there yeah, there's a couple. So we got like a little Vancouver filly, um, which is called English Bay. Um, we're a little part of that, and a couple of other, I would say, battlers that haven't really graced a track. Like we were in Warzel for a bit, um, mm-hmm. which won an Albany Maiden the other day. Oh yes, yep, yep. Paul Hunter. Paul Hunter, yep. Um, but other than that, no, that's I think about it from what I remember. And obviously, this show is proudly sponsored by Betfair, um, and we've touched on the exchange a little bit already. What what relationship do you two have with um, Betfair, with with how you run your businesses, racing oh, businesses? It's pretty much ninety percent of my punning. Um, I'd be lost without, honestly, without Betfair, because um, I like to lay horses as well, and you can't do that unless you back the field, I guess. But um, no, I use it all the time, and whenever I'm tracking punting, I'd. All I look at is Betfair and then I check the fixed prices every now and then on the other corporates. But yeah, Betfair is just golden for me. I wouldn't wouldn't be able to punt without it, I don't think. be harder for you, wouldn't it, Scotty? Because you're working most race days. So most of the liquidity for Betfair would be late on. So you can take a flyer by taking an SP, produ- predicting what a market might do, or you can get someone to work for you. But it'd be harder in that sense, wouldn't you? So does, it, does working with Sky and, and in all the other media commitments you do, does that affect your punting to some degree? I'm not sure how on you take your punting really it's probably two different stories so one misconception i think in in racing circles is that tipping and punting are two totally different games Mm -hmm. you can tip whatever you want but then when you are going and investing money it's a totally different game but in terms of the answering to the betfair story it's what i preempted earlier one of the reasons why i recently changed staking structures Mm -hmm. so that i could use Betfair better and more effectively and efficiently while, not while I'm working, but in that death knock when Brit throws to Darren or you'll tend to see that I will flick through a bit of late mail and leave Brit sort of 45 seconds on the clock to work with (laughs) so that I can frantically do what I need to do. But I'm fairly open in in what I do. So my new staking structure is based around my market prices. So Every race in WA, I rate to 95%, mm-hmm. including maidens in the country, because that has always been bread and butter for me. So Scott and I are a bit different in the sense that Scott's always been exceptionally good on a Saturday. And historically, I've struggled on a Saturday relative to in the country. I'm a big believer that in the country is where you get your best bang for your buck. If you had the question of what is your favourite or most profitable track, Mm. for me it's Carnarvon. I I just love my dirt racing for a number of different reasons. One being that the conditions rarely change, the rail doesn't move, there's no firm track that's always the same and the times are king. A fast run race is a good quality race and a slow run race is a crap race. But the new staking structure is based around my prices. So I have five different levels that I give every single race. A zero is a no bet, a race that I'm not interested. One is bet to win a thousand, 
2,000, 3,000, level four, bet to win 5,000. And so how I can do that now is that we're using my own price in the morning, I can already do the maths and I will mark it down on my sheet. So right in front of me at the death knock, I can see I'm say uh, $6 dig deep. And so to win 5,000, I need to have $1,000 at my price to win five grand. And so whatever it is on Betfair, mm-hmm. I'll have a thousand, if it's a very rare top level of confidence bet race. But that's made it so much easier for me to answer the question, Terry, that now when I arrive on track, I will have a sheet in front of me that shows me all my prices and the staking amount that I would have on them if I was able to achieve that price late on Betfair so that I can simply cross-reference a sheet to a phone and I'm on. No wiggle room? No wiggle room. Yep. And, and so, something- so you got to let the ones... You gotta let the ones go through without uh, getting too emotional about it. The ones that just fall short of your price, and that's probably the hardest part from a a moral ethical point is that I may well have a best bet that I've pushed on so many different platforms yeah. that I am very keen on. But if the price isn't there, then for me it's not a bet. That doesn't worry me as much, and you don't feel quite as bad as when something you weren't expecting gets to a bizarre price or one you weren't expecting. And you end up backing that winner that beats the best bet and people that have followed you or respect you go, oh, how bad's that? Your best bet's just got beaten and you're sitting there rubbing your hands together mm. behind closed you doors. Stay quietly. You stay quiet at that point. It, though, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing, but it's just the understanding that tipping and punting yep. are so separate. And also you, um, the Inside Running show on a Saturday morning, a long time um, I guess staple of WA racing. It's it's hard to convey that in that short amount of time, though, isn't it? You it got is. one hour. You got to cut to your breaks. You got three different voices, but it's very hard to 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 exp- to lay out the whole race. Um, I guess frame by frame for for the listeners. You just sort of got to do your best with the time that's allocated and try to find as many winners as possible. Really, and and that's the the tough part too. Without going into a program like that and saying. Well, this is how this is my top four, and these are my prices, and putting them out publicly. Yeah. Nobody's really going to know when it comes to the jump what you have or haven't backed, unless you've been able to lock in an early fixed price, which is that balance between: do I take the early price? Do I wait for what might be there on the exchange, or might not? Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realise is our prices are simply just probability. So if you price something three dollars, I would call it my best bet if it went up eight bucks. But I something in that race I might mark at eight bucks. It goes up fifties, and I say that's my best bet on the card now. I don't necessarily think it's going to win the race. I think it's probably a twelve percent chance of winning the race. But I'm getting it's into- your best bet. Yes, it's my best bet. It's my yes. best value bet. It's, it's I found that aspect of it very difficult over the journey. One more question for you, Scott. I'm very yes. interested in this aspect of thing. If you're backing, if you've marked a horse six bucks, let's use your dig deep example before to bet to win your five thousand. Do you and then you're getting your twelve dollars? Do you bet to win your five thousand on your marked price and still have the same amount if it was a twelve dollars? Absolutely. Or Okay. Yeah, that, that, that is the biggest yep. learning for any punter. And it's the difference between being a small profitable punter and opening yourself up to a real result. So, for instance, I'll use a perfect example of Scotty, Scotty Max because he's been, in the way that he's been doing his ratings, been getting kiss on all four cheeks regularly. Mm-hmm. And Bless so, his little soul. Exactly mm-hmm. right. And so, we go back to Western Empire's race and it's actually the perfect example because like a everyone in WA, extremely keen Western Empire, looked perfect race for him, very progressive horse. But I think Scott was $6.50 to 95% and I think I was 8 
Well, I think Kiss on All Four Cheeks got to $18.19. It's a no-brainer for the pair of us. But the difference is you need to be backing that horse as if it was a $6, $6, $6, $6 yeah. chance. You've got to so, back yourself with the prices you've made and the work you've done for it. Back exactly yourself, right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, Mario Delina, back <laughs> your, remember, back yourself. But it, if, if you mark a horse $6 and you don't have a stake on it at $12 that you were prepared to have on at 6 then you have to ask yourself why you're bothering doing markets. Yeah. Because if you don't have the confidence that your market to 95% is in the long run going to be more accurate than the the market corporate marketplace then you're wasting your time mm. so before we move on to the preview scotty mack your whenever your father has come on the show he's given us his um his punt prices so he does his his markets to 80 percent, as well as his lay prices when he does his market to 120 percent. do you f- follow a similar philosophy and if you're quoting prices on the pre during the preview at what at what market uh percentage would you have set them at so I, I'm exactly the same. Yep. I'll figure out my punt prices to an 80% market and then I also do my lay prices to 120%. And, yep. um, the prices that I'll be talking about would be yeah, to the 80% um, eighty percent range just to really know you're getting that that edge and um, you're really getting the value on your prices. So as Scotty said, that kiss on all four cheeks, so she had you know, 615 and 80% market. So I mm-hmm. um, was pretty keen that day. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it is. It. I think we. Uh, I think these two are going to find some value for the listeners, which I've is always, going to be good. Yeah, I've always uh, Scotty McCormick's obviously new to me, but I've always I've never really had much of a chance to have a, a good chat with Scotty Emery and talk form and so this lot. So I'm I'm really looking forward to. This. I've loved all of our other guests. Yes. don't get me wrong, but I am I'm definitely um, looking forward to some serious to form. Should we get into it? We're talking. But, We're just yeah, we on. should get into it. A but, bit to but, discuss first. But or? before we do, Terry, you have uh, you have a bit of an announcement about. Um, Sen track and you're you've been asked to uh, to appear I guess on a Friday morning WA racing show on the Sen platform every Friday morning for the next six weeks is that right? Uh, it's a pilot initially I believe there's a chance it could be extended on it's all it's all sort of just coming to me uh, a bit new but it's it's my show with uh, with uh, Miles Fitzner is going to be my co-host uh, there's a bit to come we've got Kira Yule on tomorrow as our first. Uh, I guess, but uh, we're going to record Fridays and it'll be on Saturday mornings um, on SEN. Um, that's about all I know at this stage of proceedings, but it sounds quite exciting. So if, if, you, if you don't get enough of the guru via the Wild West, you can you can also tune in and download the SEN app and uh, get a bit more of yes, the great man. There's not a shortage, is there? And all I need now is to get rid of the name The Guru. I actually hate it. Like, I sound like the biggest wanker, don't I? Being called The Guru. Oh, it's the best. Anyway, but... It's in some bigger and better news, uh, we discussed a few weeks ago about uh, purchasing a horse and selling shares for a podcast horse. You know, get everyone around. Um, we've even discussed getting some podcast silks, maybe a picture of mine in your head. What do you reckon <laughs> on the front there? Please, no. Please <laughs> anyway, no. so Luke Fernie has managed to acquire um, New Had. Um, Emirates Park, Scotty? Correct. Emirates Park. So I, Simon, I'm presuming, a, Simon A. Miller? It was a Simon A. Miller horse. I'm presuming Emirates Park probably had bigger fish to fry than C1's midweek, so they decided it was time to move New Had on. Um, Luke's picked her up this morning, really likes the way she looks, so we are, um, we're going to look to syndicate her out and have a bit of fun with our, with our listeners. Um, Luke More. paid 35 plus, mm-hmm. so 38 and a half there. 
thousand. At this stage, there's no details on um, how we will work all that. I'll go through it all and see what makes sense for Luke and what makes sense for us. But um, yeah, I think we should have some fun. Luke picked her up this morning. I said he was he's really excited how she looks, and um, he told me he'll be able to improve her at least five or six legs on what Simon Miller could do with her. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, more details to come. But any more details any to come. expressions of interest, yep, yep. Uh, um, direct message or tweet us at um, the one one pod or at uh, Terry or myself on Twitter and uh, more information will be coming down the line. Yeah, I think she'll go pretty quickly and he's even going to look at um, continuing the current campaign so there's not Ooh. it's not an impossibility that she runs again even this year. You'd think if Daniel Cripps engages Kira Yule that that commission coming to him go straight back into the pool too. I would have thought so I would have thought so yeah Cripp is actually a really uh, he takes a big set against horse ownership so he's, he was born without a heart so that's okay. Very good oh it's all happening. Yeah, it's all happening isn't it yeah. Okay, it's time to partner with Betfair and preview CB Cox Stakes Day. We're recording the 1-1, your West Australian racing podcast at the magnificent 1900 Bar, Ascot Racecourse. Beautiful summer's day. It's Thursday, the 17th of December. They're racing at Pinjarra today. Are you going to run it today, Terry? Yeah, Material Witness material is witness. going around just, uh, in just the fourth. Oh, I don't know if it just wins. Mm. I think he's got a lot to learn. Um, in the caper, if we can hold, I'm hoping we can hold the top. If we can, if we can lead, I think he'll be pretty hard to run down on a track that looked uh, pretty rail and leader bias at the first go at the four meters. But um, yeah, I think we can have something on it. Five dollars plus. This goes out after, doesn't it? It so, does. Okay, righto. Good luck to uh, good luck, Terry. With thanks, the material thanks, winners, Geraldton oh, is hosting it. a Friday meeting on the Crayfish Coast that's what it, tomorrow. That's what it's all about. Crayfish Coast? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I might even tip you on into Gerald tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, prices aren't even out yet. I just know this is going to go up a quote. Okay. And I don't think I can lose either. The interesting part is I've got my markets on me to 95%, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, oh, the, the one that Terry's found is one that came up for me as well. Mm. Oh, okay. This, this could be big. Uh, okay, so Narogen. We've got a Narogen meeting. Yeah, just I know. Bob's up on Saturday as well. Scotty's probably already done the form for you that lead, one as well. lead you in. Well, Narragin is close to the heart. Speed, <laughs> the home of Brigands, which was m one of my first ventures into Brigands, race ownership. Yeah. Very good. And you uh, Barry's rabbit? Sorry, Major. You're right. You you're right. Barry? Well, I was going to bring Barry up later because there's a big debate about who is the actual people's horse. Yeah. Ah, okay. Let's move on. All right. Mm. So we've got Narragin Saturday, and the weekend finishes in the southwest with eight races at Bunbury on Sunday. How many meets have there been at Bunbury this year thus far? Three? Sounds about right. Yeah, get to yeah. collect. You had to have one collect at Bunbury. Has yeah. there been a horse come from further back than fourth and win? I last week I backed all the leaders, but I backed all the wrong ones, unfortunately. So I was on your Rock the Planets, your Mystic Loves, your uh, Blazing Billies, who was backed off the mat, ran last. It was a, uh, <laughs> look, it's been a it's been a tough start. If I'm going to have a profitable year at Bunbury, I've got to really come home strong because it's been a uh, yeah bit of a nightmare, really. All right. Don't follow my Bunbury mail. Long story short. And also, BJ, stay tuned throughout the show for info on how you can enter the Mundaring Hotels WA Racing Mastermind and the Market City Mates Get Out Stakes competitions. If you, yeah, just a few reminders, a bit of housekeeping before we get cracking on the preview. If you'd like to read my pre-markets preview, the leg up, jump on to bestbets.com.au or, and or, the Race website. The leg up's been out since 7am this morning. Well, two of the very best, Terry Layton and Daniel Cripps combined powers for the Wild West video preview, which uh, available on the Betfair hub, betfair.com.au as of tomorrow morning. Also, the 1-1 one, one is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all other major podcasting platforms. Please subscribe, rate, and review. 
Okay, now it's time to have a quick chat about the expected weather conditions and uh, and the pattern. And I know Scotty Embry takes this stuff very seriously. The rail's out six metres. We've got a maximum of 33 degrees scheduled. Scotty, what are you? What what can what insight can you give the listeners as to how you think the track will operate on uh, at Ascot on Saturday? Well, if Willy weather isn't your homepage, then are you really a punter? Yeah. That, that is a, there's a question that has to be answered, especially when we're racing here at Ascot. But uh, that being said, I'm still typing it into my search bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I have uh, jotted it down already. The thing about the wind, and I'm so big on my wind when mm. I'm here at Ascot, is the fact that on Saturday it is quite a large swing. Uh, so we have up until- Damien Fleming type stuff, isn't it? Exactly. 10 mm. a.m. is just a, a flat easterly. So if we were racing here at 10 a.m., it would be so, so fun. Oh, there'd be so much money we're around. Due, we're due a good easterly, aren't we? It'll just be, I'm actually really looking forward to it. We haven't had one for no, a while. Been a Red long horse. time. Been a long time. They keep coming on Fridays. Mm. Lord so. Lonsdale's probably been the last one, opening day, mm. when when he was just- Every, yes. every person yeah. in Australia's yeah. best and yeah. did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we do have a – it's a south-southwesterly due from about 1 o'clock mm-hmm. that will probably increase in its impact later in the program. Rail at 6 metres is look one of the fairer pads. Anywhere between 3 and 6 is, is about as good as we can get here. And so hopefully, like most Ascot cards, we'll focus leader heavy early and then fairer as we get later in the day, Beach. Scotty Mack, anything you want to add? Weather, track, how do you, what, what's your philosophy with, with all this? Do you, I know your dad's not all that big on it. He, he loves he loves a cold rail, doesn't he, Pete McCormick? Yeah, he loves a cold rail. He <laughs> lives for them, actually. He lives, lives for a good cold rail. Um, is it something that you factor in? or you? Or you just- uh, no, normally, I shoot Scotty Embry a message on yeah. a Saturday morning or a Thursday morning um, when I'm doing the form um, to get his thoughts about it, and that's as much um, looking into it as I do, really. I I'm trying to factor it into my ratings um, about trying to get more um, on-pace horses because, because yeah, for a while I was just not – I was rating it as a fair track no matter where it was, no matter what the wins were. So just trying to, yeah, see how my ratings can be tweaked a little bit to fix that up. But, nah, that's all Scotty Embry's job. It's an evolution thing, isn't it? Like you you just – you you – I guess your, start, your starting point is the track's going to be fair, but then then over time you just have to sort of, I don't know, put put some time and effort into mapping the tracks and, and keeping data as, as you do, Terry, keeping your notes on tracks and stuff like that. But I think there's a balance too. I think sometimes you could probably tip a bit far too far the other way. Yeah, Belmont season was a funny old season, especially late in the season. There was just cold lanes on certain days. Like some days the rail was just quick. Sam, remember that day Labor Rod uh, settled, I think leaders back, was the only horse that settled on the fence for a place for the entire day. Like that just, that type of stuff makes it really difficult because you, you can't allow for a cold lane in that sense. So that was obviously a part of the track that wasn't um, 100%. So that, that's the stuff I find difficult, but that's less prevalent at Ascot because it's more consistently hotter weather here. So It's an interesting little discussion on the, the wind and the rail positions because it gets talked about about a lot and there is a, a full three or four generations that don't talk about it, don't believe in it and don't understand why. But I read an interesting quote a while ago that rung true to me. The modern punter takes their gambling as seriously as a stock trader on the floor at Wall Street. And that's it's so true depending on how invested you are emotionally, financially. And so for that wind discussion, I somewhat 
cheat the system in inverted commas because I record a live feed of the flags here at Ascot <laughs> that goes into my database at home so that I can reference anything anytime. That's pretty savvy, isn't it? That's very good. Yeah. So we'll, that's, we'll, we'll pay that. That's and you point. mentioned Paul Daly before, and that's that's that rating. Paul Daly's ratings to win is 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 um, one of the great racing resources. If um, for for the high end, I suppose high end punter and and form analyst. And um, yeah, I can imagine you can do all sorts of uh, amazing, wonderful things with that particular piece of software. So. It's it's not cheap. Yeah. It's approximately five thousand dollars a year. But to put it in perspective, if he made it twenty, I'd pay it mm -hmm. without blinking an eye. Excellent. You got right. to spend money to make money, don't you? Invest. Invest. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to chip it backwards to go forwards. <laughs> <laughs> or if you, the dockers, then you'll fumble and you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were using a golf, golf terminology that you're stuck in a bush and having to go thirty meters backwards to get out. Twenty twenty one's dockers year, isn't it? Fetting them. Um, all right. Race one is the Tab Touch Westby Platinum Maiden of the one thousand meters. A pretty low key sort of event to kick off proceedings and. Uh, yeah, there's a pretty short price favourite as well to um, to uh, that most people will be piling into dollar eighty dollar eighty five for Wild Chino. I know there's a few lads here who don't mind getting a favourite beat. Anyone here want to take the reins and try and make a case for one of the other runners to knock off the odds on pop Wild Chino? Not me, actually, BJ. It's, it, I'm normally, as you would say, looking if you can, then you should. But in this in this sense, I marked Will Chino. Dollar ninety to ninety five percent. She's probably going to sit somewhere around or just below that quote. And when I sent my markets this morning, Matt Rigby, former bookmaker, is one that gets them, and he replied with, "Will Chino is the biggest moral of all time. Should be a dollar forty. My gift to the podcast." Well, there you go. There Thank you, you Matt. Good stuff, Matty. Tipping us dollar eighty pops. Really, really <laughs> good stuff. I hope we can get him on. But in a, in a similar podcast. sense, I saw part owner Glenn Rogers out here at the races yesterday. And he was going to wait with bated breath, hoping to see black figures because yep. clearly the word from the stable is she will be very hard to beat. Yeah, it's interesting. She was scratched last Wednesday. It said future nomination in the stewards report. Do you know anything further on that or is that, uh, is that a truthful reason for the withdrawal last Wednesday? Well, hopefully it was a bit of karma for the fact that us poor punters yeah. saw bar shoes on in the mm -hmm. race book and then it was mm -hmm. standard plates. Uh, I don't know anything more about that, but you will remember she was drawn really wide that day mm -hmm. and you come to these West Speed Platinum Maidens, she, should, uh, she draws in gate four in an eight-horse field and that odds-on quote, look, it's never going to be enticing, but for all intents and purposes, she does look the winner. Yeah, so Walt, Waltino makes her first it's having her first start in 471 days always promised a bit but obviously has had some um soundness issues over the journey one has won trials very impressively in the past and sort of cruised to victory in her belmont 23 november trial win i think domineer came out and won subsequent following that trial as well so um moved quite stylishly in that heat thousand meter heat win uh, I suppose the only horse really that people might be making a case for is Universal Pleasure, Stefan Vahala, Lactar, Rails Romoli from Gate 1, claiming three. Actually, my uncle-in-law. Yeah, they found it out recently. My uh, my sister's married to uh, Stefan Vahala's nephew. Oh. Right. There you go. There you go. Yeah, there's one for you, guys. No worries. 
So have you got any in- inside information on the No, I've never, never said a word to him. Never, <laughs> never spoke to him. I don't even know what he looks like, to be honest with you. So apparently he's at the wedding, but I, uh, if I knew that, I would have got around to him and um, hit him up for a while. But um, I think it can win this, to be honest with you. Um, Will Chino's trialled like Winks on three occasions now and come to the races and race like Hilbert twice. Yeah. So um, whether or not uh, – look, I, I, I've heard all the same sort of stuff coming out and it doesn't make me want to pile into universal pleasure here, but um, the trial was super from – Barrier one, if if um, Lactar with 53 can kick up and grab the back of Will Chino and put some race pressure, um, perhaps peel out and put some race day pressure on it, uh, see if it uh, has a little bit of a backbone when the um, the whips are, are cracking. Um, yeah, I think there's I think there's worse investments at the four dollar mark, but um, yeah, I'm a bit scared off to tip anything against Will Chino with uh, confidence here. I think it's going to be a question throughout the podcast. Price is the pair. Mm-hmm. Uh, two dollars. I've seen. I've got Will Chain at two dollars twenty. So I've probably been a little bit sad. I've got two dollars eighty. Universal pleasure. The rest of the field, you can have any price you want. So it's actually it's simply a I was, for me. Yeah, so. I was two and two and four. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Dollar ninety three thirty, and then nothing else under. So it's a bet. Yeah. Thirty to one. The universal pleasure is a bet. Well, if it holds up, it's going to be one of those question marks. It's only a level one race for me, so I'd be betting to win a thousand. So it okay. wouldn't wouldn't be a an outlandish investment. Mm-hmm. But if the price is right, that's always the. Uh, <laughs> Come on down. The question. Scotty, Matt? Uh, I got the big red line for me. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I think it's a bit too short just looking at a couple of the trials and seemed to really pull and tear in that trial, but then quite leveled out um, down the straight. I'm always one to take on a horse that's clearly had issues and tried like a bomb but hasn't raced for 470 days. Sometimes they just don't put it put it up completely on race day. So short enough, but um, – no, I won't be showing any Let's interest. Let's just give one horse from the same stable to back up uh, what Scotty McCormick has just said there. You might know this horse. Didn't win a maiden first up. Won a big race later in its prep. Elite Street. Mm, a bit like mm. Scotty McCormack and I. A little bit like, yeah, go on, give him the analogy. He's oh. been waiting for this, haven't you? Yeah, it's Here we go. alley-oop, and I've never been anywhere near touching the ring <laughs> in my life with and a step ladder. <laughs> no, I do consider us half-siblings, Scott mm. and I. Elite Street, Group 1 winner. That would be me, clearly. And uh, 64th Street to my right-hand side, just battling away. <laughs> Always give out the same oh, five. So you know what you're going to get. <laughs> Very uh, good. Okay. Um, so, anyway, universal pleasure for me. I'm going to have something on. I, the, the 460 this morning made it very easy. In Lent put up 550, which we can't get on. Obviously, that's not real prices. But, um, yeah, anything sort of, I think, 350 plus. I, I'm happy having a little spec. But, uh, it, like Scotty, I don't do the levels of uh, confidence in that sense. It would only be a smallish bet for me. Okay, I tip Wild Chino, but with no no confidence. As I said, I think I, I'd prefer her to be more around the two dollars plus mark to uh, to get good if we could choose our enthusiastic. Our prices, yes, mm. yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> you, you I think be- I've turned up in a mood today. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, race, race two, two uh, the Byron Bay Premium Lager Plate for the two year olds. Um, have no interest personally in this race. So have, uh, you got a, anything? I did have an interest in did this you? race. You're yeah. a two-year-old specialist around here as well. Yeah, I, I actually- baby in the household and you're like the babies on the track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was quite keen on Politier, but until I saw the markets this morning and it sort of, uh, just the whole pike thing, I think sort of- um, Open favourite. Yeah, that wasn't what I was necessarily expecting, to be honest. I um, obviously- just to, to lay it out for the listeners, Ultimate Command, the Stablemates, Ultimate Command and Flying Missile. Cornella, the, the feeder race to this two weeks ago, Ultimate Command uh, had blistering gate speed, crossed, led, and then Flying Missile, box seated, but then just couldn't quite 
get out um, exactly when Chris Parnham needed to. Ended up getting inside run late and closed off, but um, Ultimate Command was able to just just have a pinch enough of a of a break, I suppose. And but Pelicier, Pelicier, um, it was in that race and ran fourth. Joe Azapati worked hard from gate nine, came across, um, sort of improved into the race three wide, and then just sort of just whacked away. I actually thought there was a lot of merit in the performance. And from gate one with PyCon, I can just see a softer run, 1,100 metres is going to be stalking the two Parnham stable mates. And uh, if a typical Pike fashion, if he can peel out into space at the top of the straight, I reckon this this filly might have a bit of class to to get over the top of him late. Anyone else got any differing views on that? Was it a mission from the stewards report? I, I would have, watching the replay over and over, I would have sworn that Policier was three deep the trip, no cover. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, th- I don't think she got in at any stage. Yeah, and even if she did get in, there was there was no there was a bit of a gap between her and the cover horse anyway. So she was effectively punching into it. Um, I just thought there was a lot of. I thought it was quite a brave performance actually, and yeah, um, I just yeah I was hoping for a bit better price. So throwing to to you, Scotty, you pricing this race. What what did you come up with? Ultimate Command, Flying Missile, Plitzier. Well, I'm very new. This is my first year of pricing two-year-old racing up until the start of this season. I abandoned them full stop with zero interest, Uh, but I am pricing them this year and I was 320 Plitzier, 320 Ultimate Command, 480 Flying Missile and 15 Groundbreaker and Groundbreaker was the the eye catching run yeah. in that replay and sectionally fastest last 800, 600, 400, 200. It's not a race that I'm going to have interest in, BJ, but I was, I put Police Air on top as well because of the toughness of that first run and the the much more suitable map on the weekend. Mm. Scotty Matt, you um, a two year old man? I used to be, I'm not as much now anymore, but I thought, well, flying missile, how far last start, unfortunately. Um, mm. But I think. Again, ultimate command should just jump to the front and could be too quick for him as well. I probably won't be invested, but I actually didn't mind the trial of the third Neville Parnham runner in Vitalize. It mm. dropped back and it made up a lot of a lot of ground and whether that was a light lightweight from Romoli or not, but um, the pick of the trials, I thought that was that was pretty nice. But oh, I think Ultimate Command or Flying Missile sit one two and could fight it out with Police Air. Yeah, just behind him. I can't find Pike, so yeah, who knows what he's going to do? Yeah, if, if if three if I can get around the three fifty mark, Polizia, I think that'll be. Do you like my chances? Uh, I am completely out of this race. I've yep. shouldered arms. The keeper's got the ball in his gloves, and um, I'm just uh, yeah completely staying out here. Yeah, I really like Polizia's trials, and I thought that debut performance she it's can name, she can too. elevate off that, and from one pike on board, I can get last, get the last crack at him. One horse that we probably need to mention because we always like to throw. A shout out to Magic Mike Santich mm. and our man Rouse Romoli's God's Dream. Um, half brother, playing God, half brother to Bragwell. Uh, I, I thought this this trial was quite good. Wasn't yeah, bad. Yeah, it was quite didn't good. Didn't mind it either. So. Uh, but it's going to get it's going to get back probably worse than midfield and going to be spotting some pretty sharp juveniles. Of, um, Few too many lengths, but look look out for God's dream running on. But for me, Polizia on top. If I can get three fifty, that'd be that'd be a, a, a play for me. Chris Nation clearly doesn't have much interest in the two year old race because he's loving the tractor right right past uh, the key moment there. Can you hear the tractor? It comes through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just explaining that. Yeah. You can hear the tractor. Actually, when we were here the first time, Terry, you might remember that. uh, Yeah, the high pressure hose. We were up up the top of the members there and they were, uh, Scotty Embry and 
Britt Taylor took preference because they had to polish the concrete that those two walk on in the mounting out and it just it just ruined the whole sound of the podcast. But Scotty and uh, Britt obviously chopped the boys from the 1-1. Racing royalty. Mm. It's, an, it's another <laughs> probably fairly unknown fact over over the uh, ban of crowds during coronavirus. Britt and I did all of our work from the deck, the owner's only deck, and now that was luxury. Yeah, right. Mm. Is that when Brittany did the little jig? Yes. Yes. Point taken jig. There was a Caracapo uh, hand slam the other day. Did they leave the really? uh, table's yeah. got an imprint on it? Did they leave the? Uh, I wasn't big on that result. Did they leave the um, the bar open? Is that why we saw the point taken dance come out? Was just the fridge left unlocked for you two to hop into? Or? I don't think it's ever locked, is it? <laughs> Race three is a uh, another thousand metre contest. This time it's for it's a set weights and penalties race for the three year old, and we've got another dominant favourite here. And gee whiz, it's. She's going to be hard to catch, isn't she, Madame Torio? Gate one, jumps, runs, out in front. Can they Can they catch her? Oh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have thought so. She holds form. I mean, there's some concern with her. this type of sprinter that uh, she puts in her best first up and then she's a little flatter, second, third up, or um, well, post-freshen up at least. But uh, look, I, I think – I know Martin's quite keen. Uh, he was quite keen to hop mix during the week. Uh, and he, he got the chockies there, so his stable's rolling along nicely at the moment. Martin but, Allen? Um, Martin Allen, yes, the Irishman. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, mean, I guess the biggest danger is um, is a horse like Shock Result really taking it up to her. But um, I, I don't think Shock Result's necessarily got the speed to worry, Madame Torio. Um, keep your feet to the horse that I think is, will probably uh, be the biggest danger. But from barrier out, eight. Where does Pikey get? I can't see any other decision besides going back for Pike there. So this should win, but the dollar eighty doesn't interest me a great deal. You guys got anything here? This looks like a this is a really ordinary race. Let's be honest. Yeah, nothing too disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, no. I'm a dollar sixty, Madame yeah, Torre. I'm a dollar sixty yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I my notes say not playing unless I say yeah. two fifty, which I knew I was never going to say. That was extremely ambitious. So, yeah, yeah, this is a bit of a nothing race. But there's yeah. a, there's another learning for for the for the everyday punter. Mm -hmm. If you saw a dollar eighty out to two fifty, you would be yeah. jumping in. No, oh. that's that's the question. Now, this is the the next step. Or as you, well. you're a believer. I'm a no. Quantify the drift everyone's different okay so why is there a drift so let's have a look at it okay is that, does that mean all day session for example is backed into three bucks so the money has to come somewhere right it's backed into 350 so i'm going to quantify if i trust why the money is coming for something else and why i'm on the wobbles is there something i'm missing at the track is this a horse that plays up in there like the in that francis of the world or uh seeing something and we're seeing it on the wobble out so quantify the drift and there are some stables that it doesn't like the smaller stables if you see a drift for it's more understandable and normal uh not your perhaps not your highest strike rate jockeys they're the ones you sort of forgive but if i saw a drift on this it, it would it would be somewhat concerning i reckon so uh but i'd quantify it I, i'd try and make a decision in the last couple of minutes why i'm seeing that drift and if i'm happy backing into it if it was the money for keep your feet big time that's a that's a spot where i'd probably happily take the drift on adam toria because i can't map keep your feet winning this race mm. um but i do think keep your feet's on paper the biggest danger but from barrier eight just where you know where they end up so yeah quantifying the drift that's just that's the lesson from race three today quantifying your drift i know i know money Maley is he's pretty good he's a pretty good operator mm. however all day session thousand meter midweek winner a task uh, into a mile WA Guineas, back down to a 1,400 metres of stakes, back down to a 1,000. Like Beat Madame Torio in Belmont as well yes. earlier in it as a two-year-old. So very, I don't know, ambitious from money, but um, who, who am I to no. hey, Who am I to question the genius from Jinjin? Jin? Um, 
Scotty Matt, what do you reckon? Uh, I just, if Madame Toro repeats the last um, last start, doesn't even need to improve it. I just got her winning just too yeah. fast for him. Doesn't I don't think anything taking it on necessarily concerns it. She just bolts and rolls and um, runs them off their feet. Really, I must say I do enjoy Chris Parnham on leaders a lot. He's very good. Um, he's good on all spots. He's good. He's good on all spots. Mm. But in terms, when you're looking for jockeys and their strengths and weaknesses, he does he, the, the way that he, especially fast horses like Madame Torio, he he middles it uh, more often than not. Yeah, just go for him. They do really, but yeah, not a better proposition for me. I've got a two dollar fifty rule. Okay, no matter what my price is, nothing below two dollars fifty. And then if it drifts, I don't really quantify it. I just see price, take price. Prepared to lose to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I um, I reckon Ra- the Rawa would have to be dis- like thousand meter seventy thousand dollar three rod race attracts eight nominations and six really. Six, I'm, six, I'm not counting. Yeah, the bottom six two really. It's yeah. at this time of year. It just seems seems very strange. So yeah, I don't know. Don't if, know I don't know if Richie and Paul are going to play a huge uh, part in this race. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I don't think so. I think they're going to be gasping for air, aren't they, Richie and Paul? Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's right now. just strange that this this race hasn't been supported as um, as well as it perhaps should have, considering what was on offer. Anyway, moving on to race four, the Amelia Park Handicap. Now, this is a really good race. I feel, like, car, is, I feel this, like we're just starting now. Like, I feel like this is the start of the interested. car. It was a bit of a bit, bit low-key, a bit subdued. When I, when I was, know, when I was doing this race, one here, even. Uh, when I was doing this race, I thought, like, this is a belter. Why isn't it a quaddy leg? This is such a, this is such a quality uh, graduation handicap over the, over the mile where there's you can make a case for almost half the field, really, and Terry just – Said that he's thinking about declaring one. So well, we, we might not declare it, but we'll just say it can't lose. So get, get, um, get in. Tell us more. First of all, Scotty, Emery, are we are we taking on Dark Mission at the twelve hundred to sixteen hundred second up here? Yes. We have to, don't we? Yes. If there's a Betfair Lays segment at the end, mm-hmm. mine will be Dark Mission. Ah, there you go. Very I'm joining with you. I'm I'm in a very similar boat. I didn't actually price Dark Mission favourite. Oh, it's actually not your current favourite. Salaya is your current favourite, and that's um that's fair enough to some degree. Um, my concern or my, I guess my uncertainty with Salaya is uh, what they do from the gate. Do they do they take a hold? Do they go back? Do they try and muster and land outside the speed, which will probably be or could be Tredenzia, could be our idol. Uh, guy comes across from wide so um it's a funny old map there for Salaya. has it um, raised its grand final as well like i'm assuming they yeah. would have been setting it for those three-year-old races and exactly right been up for been up for a while as well Salaya. so there's going to be a, a time where she says i've had enough yeah she's going to she's going to have to hold that peak isn't she like exactly, exactly right you know, so stealing a state mm. <laughs> <laughs> stealing a state geez when did that last spell in 2014 <laughs> before you got into racing probably um i um yeah i think there's going to be enough pressure in this race enough questionable pressure as well in this race um i'm a big aberdeen queen fan um through and through and i think if you look at the horses drawn directly underneath her you got dark mission who will be behind uh tradenzia because the one thing about aberdeen queen we, we sometimes forget is she's got the gate speed to lead races if she wants to i don't want her out in front i think she's far more dynamic with a sit um but if you look at dark mission seven behind uh tradenzia six out in front um, Baby Blues probably wants a similar spot in five. Indominus will be back. She's got married, will be back. San Crispino doesn't jump in three. Long story short, our idol in four will be forward. There's going to be a gap there for her to slot into, I think, maybe three back, one out type thing. I think Brad Willer finds a spot. Um, last start on the surface, our idol, our idol, our idol was a superior effort, but I don't think second up on a grinding country surface like Pinjarra where they went quick, it was difficult to make ground. Brad Willer had to go early on her. I don't think that allowed Aberdeen Queen to show her 
her best and her, her to be at her dynamic best. I thought she was still pretty good, though. I thought she was pretty good, but I think this is where we're going to see a peak performance from a horse that took it up to the likes of Levitate and um, and Indian Pacific. So chucking a midfield, I've, I've priced Aberdeen Queen a, a $5 favourite. It's not a not a short price favourite, but um, look at the 8 bucks, 8 50 it was, especially this morning. I'm pretty happy being in the uh, Aberdeen Queen train. And the way she finished on that good four throws away, any of that talk about yeah. she's a wet tracker. Exactly. Right. I think sometimes the wet track stats and stuff can just be a correlation of when they were in good form at that certain period of time. That just happened to be. She's only had, what's she had, 10 starts? Also, um, I think it's a bit of a uni- universal ruler sort of blanket sort of mm-hmm. tidbit, isn't it? Yeah, McFlirts. Yeah, that's right. The McFlirt. Um, Scotty Mack. Um, oh, I can't really argue with Terry much. I've obviously taken the, um, the Grandstand Cup as my form reference. Aberdeen Queen, yeah, third up now. We'll be getting ready to peak. I've got got her on top, but I'm a bit of a sucker for our ideal. I've I've been on it the last two starts, and last start made me a bit more confident about the horse too. Just it normally sits handy and um, it's been building into peak fitness. And last start it's dropped back and powered home, so it's done it done it at both ends. And I know two starts ago was a heavy Bunbury leader track where it got no pressure whatsoever. Um, but even though it gets Two kilos worse off against Aberdeen Queen and Tridentia, I think. Um, it's another one that I don't mind, but I was 650 Aberdeen Queen on top and couldn't get Dark Mission or Soleil anywhere near Aberdeen Queen, our ideal, and Tridentia. It's a big question of prices. It, mm. it always is. And and I, I have the same issue that BJ has with deadlines and times for publication. So I've got- Have you already done your write-up for- It's out. Yeah, yeah long okay. out. Yeah. So I, I finished I only up. read them just a little, whenever you take the piss out of Luke Fernie or Lockie Taylor. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lockie Taylor caught one today, actually. I, know. I, no, saw, I, actually. I saw that and I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was very good. Um, but no, uh, now with the box seat, my selections are locked in for box seat by midnight, which is- Wednesday midnight. Wednesday midnight, yeah. which is somewhat of a nightmare. So I finished up my form about half past one last night mm-hmm. and then the tab touch written stuff gets done first thing Thursday morning. So I finished that up about half past five this morning. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm in a similar vein to, to BJ in the sense that I've got Solaire on top, but now that the markets have settled down and I've got my spreadsheet in front of me, I'm looking at this, whether or not I get involved early or wait late is a decision that I haven't made yet. But if I take Aberdeen Queen, our idol, and Tridentia, so the three horses out of the Grandstand Cup, then in my market, they end up being $2.10. And so I can Dutch the trio of them at $3.15. So for me, that's huge value. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably the way that I'm going to financially invest into the race. I'll be with that Grandstand Cup form, Aberdeen Queen, Our Idol, Tridentia. And so I'm pretty similar. I'm $6 equal favorites, Our Idol, Aberdeen Queen, Salaya. $7, $7, Tridentia, $8, Dark Mission. So in terms of a, a lay for the day, mine will be Dark Mission. Something I want to discuss as we go on with the preview, and it comes up a few more times with um, with Twig's tip in this race, our idol. Um, some horses, and I don't think at the moment there's a 
a jockey on that horses go better for um, than Mitchell Pateman. Um, like he just goes on a horse for the first time, um, and they just seem to find a few lengths. We'll touch on it again with several others actually throughout the uh, throughout the program. But um, our idol and Mitchell Pateman seem to get along very well. And you got to remember, our idol's got a second to Superstorm in the bank as well. I think it was second to Superstorm. Second to Superstorm. Yeah, so Melbourne Cup that's, Day. That's a very good segue, Terry. Is that because there's a horse who ran in that particular race who I am speculating on in this particular race on Saturday. You don't mind a bit of a speculation. Oh, oh Mr. Webb. Number nine, Indominus. Uh, it's one of yours, isn't it? Oh, it would have been today. Today, yeah. Mm. Is, is 12.05 too late to reinstate him in that race? <laughs> <laughs> so as Scotty's alluding to, Indominus was scratched from a very winnable race at Pinjarra this afternoon and, um, and saved for this. I have sort of been sort of watching and waiting for Indominus for quite a while now. He... Um, he sort of ended up on the worst part of the track first up and sort of worked to the line quite well enough. And then he went to Northern in a very slowly run race and, and attacked the line very strongly behind Mexicola um, last start. I feel as though third up at the mile, if you have watched his replays closely, I actually think he begins quite well and I think he can utilize gate two. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the first four or five in running. I know for a fact that Indominus who has had some injury troubles over the last 12 months is very highly regarded by this by the stable and by connections this is a gut feel thing the price isn't there at the moment late bet fair i imagine he's going to be the horse that's going to get squeezed right out at the moment best available is 13 dollars. i wouldn't be surprised if he pushes up towards um maddie territory terry mm, and um, yeah, i think so and um d you know just just there's just so many chances in this race that there's going to be horses that are going to have to get squeezed out late on betfair on the exchange and i think he could be one and i reckon in, i reckon indominus is a horse with a stack of raw talent and i wouldn't be surprised if he gives this a big nudge well, just with the uh, the drift BJ talks about, you're going to, these are currently 126, 127% markets. Betfair by jump will be 100, 101% markets. So you obviously take a little bit of commission, yeah, six, seven, eight percent. But um, yeah, everything uh, has to fit into the 100%. So if uh, if we've got Abbott and Queen Shorter and coming in, and that means, yeah, big chance you'll see you 20 bucks later. Yeah, like there's going to be people who are going to want to back horses like Tiffa Spoken, there's going to be horses, people who want to back, you know, obviously your Dark Missions and your Tredensias and, and Soleil's obviously firm significantly on the um, local. Um, it's about betting smarter and not harder, really. Exactly. It? So anyway, that's this. I was looking at this racing, you know what, I'm just going to, I could make a case for about six of these horses and I thought Indominus might be one that gets squeezed out the back of the market, the forgotten runner, and I reckon he can, uh, he can bob up at a price. All right. Before we leave this race, I wanted to ask, a question for Terry, and this mm -hmm. turns it into more of a um, a punting profile or, or learning about punting because one of the main reasons I am not on Twitter is because I cannot stand when people talk you'd be, about you'd be good on Twitter actually talk about things that mathematically they might not understand, and that might sound harsh. But I have a horse, Baby Blues, here who I have marked twenty five to one, so a twenty six dollar chance. There's forty one available. So the moral question, or it's just a general punting question, I know the answer for me and I know the answer probably for Scotty, do you back Baby Blues? So they're about to load in your $26 Baby Blues, 41 on offer, fixed or 48, Betfair? We should. We should be doing so. I, I, I'm i the same, actually. I've marked Baby Blues around that price as well, around about $23. Bucks. Um, but I... You also do it by feel a bit. It depends how much you want to give away per race. Do you want to have – you can have 
let's just call it without using it. You could have say two thousand on your on your main bed, Aberdeen Queen, and you might have seventy dollars. Like you might have seventy dollars on um, baby blues at your at that price because it's over your mark and you sort of just don't, you want to make it a chop out type thing. But I a lot of what I do isn't as like you've got your level one, two, three, four, fives and whatnot. What I do probably isn't as as structured. And I think that's sort of part of my um, chaos theory. The chaos theory <laughs> it is, yeah. Just get it deep inside uh, forward fifty with a small forward line. Um, so it's it's case by case. This is one where I'd very much consider it. So can um, I pose case by case? Can I pose a secondary question you to can. it? If you had one mark two eighty, yes. and there was two ninety available, do you take that? No, so I mark them to about uh, anywhere from eighty five to sort of ninety eight percent, pending confidence, pending field size. Um, I know what I have an idea going into the race what I want to do. Um, the two eighty to two ninety thing that's not really my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is finding. Like I, I, we actually did my data. My housemate's the uh, the one of the sports scientists for the West Coast Eagles. He loves the Excel spreadsheets. He chucked it all in, and we looked at my um, data over the last five years and profitability, sort of from two to three dollars, three to five. Um, got a bit of macaroon on my hand, sorry, guys. Uh, five to ten, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and it's quite incredible. So ten to twenty, I think it was like a forty-five percent ROI. Twenty to fifty was seventy. Like basically, but then there was a range from. Sort of the two to three fifty mark, whatever we whatever range around there, it was just break even type stuff. Like that's not my wheelhouse. Like that's not where I. And that's where I think going forward, I'm trying to get better. And because the, the pointy end of the market is really integral when you're trying to bet a bit more and you're trying to get more sort of staking on. It's quite difficult as we know to get on, especially when you're betting early. So um, yeah, it's, isn't that part of the part of the question? The answer to the question as well is that you well, you're, you're yes, already exactly set. Right. You're yep. already set mostly before race day, though, aren't you? If there's a I to a degree, it's very difficult these days. Betfair's becoming a lot more of a um, major part for us. Um, like, obviously, we use bowlers and whatnot, and that's just – you run out of friends eventually. That's the only reason I invited these two along today, <laughs> actually, and I hope that we might uh, be able to sniff out another account from them. But um, it's um, – yeah, it's 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 race by race based and confidence based, I guess. There was a purpose to the questions. Mm -hmm. So the thing that annoys on for about five minutes without it, saying anything. Then. So the, the thing that annoys me is, let's say there was a race and it's always post race on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I, I can understand that, but somebody will say, "I marked this twenty six dollars. It's paid forty. I should have been on it." Mm -hmm. So my my question then about the two eighty versus two ninety, twenty six to forty one is one point four percent value. Two eighty to two ninety is 1.4% value. Mm -hmm. So the thing I don't understand from a mathematical perspective is twofold. Those two price differences are mathematically the same thing. And the other thing is if you've marked something $26, like I have with Baby Blues, I'm saying it's a 3.85% chance of winning this race. Long-term, am I really backing those horses? Am I really investing money on a horse that I think is going to win at less than four times out of 100? And the key thing is with this type of race, what price do you have, Dark Mission? Eight dollars. You got Dark Mission eight dollars. Nearly every run is going to be over your price because of that. Dark Mission's currently taking thirty percent of the market, so that's the thing. You're going to end up having to back nearly. So as you, as you said, the way your Dutch game, you could add Baby Blues to your Dutch, but you're only increasing your chances of winning according to your markets by three and a half percent. So yep. And it's, it's a tough part because in that sense, let's say I was twelve dollars Dark Mission, mm -hmm. and you could get to a point when the Betfair market compresses to 101%, you're essentially backing every other horse mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we come on this program and this is how a lot of punters are different. So up until six months ago, I didn't bet under $3 full stop and now I don't bet under 250 full stop. But that includes anything that's dutched. 
adding them on. Okay. So, so for instance, if I took the $3.10 Dutch Aberdeen Queen, Our Idol, Tradencia, if I looked at a race and was to add one more in and that brought me down to a Dutch of $2.40, all of a sudden I'm out of that race. Okay. I, I don't want to be betting and staking into a race that heavily ever. And so that's just different mm-hmm. viewpoints on the same really outcome. It, it's it's interesting. It's something that Scotty and I have discussed at length recently. So where you hit the pink lay button on Betfair. Exactly. You take mm-hmm. the shorts and dark mission and for me so layer two this race. Mm-hmm. But we'll have a big red figure. It, it's also the, the thing about laying horses. If you're laying one at three dollars, well, you rotate it around the other way. You're taking it off Yeah, exactly right. By back, by backing every other horse, mm-hmm. so it's all it's all for me about the the longevity of it and just setting yourself boundaries and structures. I'm not saying that anybody is wrong. It's just interesting to find out how different mm-hmm. people do it because, in a sense, if Scott Mark, Scotty Mac or Twig uh, marks <laughs> two horses both six dollars, if they reach six dollars, see he, price take price. He sees the price. He takes Simple. the price. Now, for me, if I was both $6 and I saw both horses at $6, I wouldn't back both those horses because by taking $6 about one, I'm taking effectively four about the other because they can't both win. Mm. And so it, it's just something that evolves over time and mm. it's the, the beauty of the punt. There's no right way about it. You get long-term, I know Scotty makes money on the on the punt. I know I make money on the punt. I know Terry and BJ do That's too. It's the great game. And it's probably four different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. It's what keeps everyone involved. Exactly so right. before we well move said. on, before we move on to the master one, Scott, Scott and Scott, do you guys, are you race day punters or do you do you get involved in the early fixed odds markets? It's, it, there has to be an edge. Okay. Wherever the edge is. Yep. Um, and it's it's hard thinking of examples off the top of your head because you always think about those ones that are successful, and I can't stand people telling you about the winners they've backed. So I'm trying to think and of you a, don't hear about the losers. Exa- exactly, I'm I'm trying to think of a a recent losing example, and don't get me wrong, there are plenty. Expensive asking before or after the race. It's all it's all about getting that that big difference. If if you and again, it depends on how you do your form, but it myself ratings to win Terry G. GTX, GTX, uh, yeah. more and, I, but GTX, and there's so yeah. many different variants of the same or similar program that works on benchmark figures or uh, <laughs> rate, speed ratings, and so you, when you have access to those platforms, you can predict quite confidently where the money is or isn't going to go, and that's probably the key factor in determining am I betting or trying to bet early or am I waiting late because you have some sort of comprehension or understanding of where the market's going to gravitate. And just to continue on that point there, I mean, we're all working at different type of margins. Like I, we all work between whatever, 5 and 25%. That, that'd be a sort of profit margin. I think it's quite a varied gap, but we're working on a small amount. I can back the same amount of winners as Scotty Mack or Scotty Emery or BJ, but if I'm taking a, a 15% lower price on average, I'm, I'm going to be a losing punter or they're going to be a winning punter. So it, timing when you're going to have the bet, it, it's it's everything. And and making that decision is is just absolutely everything. I can back less winners than the next person, but if I'm timing my bet correctly and taking the peak price or something close to the peak price, that's, yeah, that's half the battle. It'd be the same as if you had, sorry, Scotty, um, it'd be the same as if you had Pete McCormack on here and talk to him about following the money. That's exactly what I was just about to bring up then. And jumping in at the bottom end of the marketplace. You're killing There's no yourself. value at all. Yeah, that's not uh, no. Yeah, because if it's a horse that's five dollars into two dollars, and you take the two dollars, then you got to bat one every two 
winners where if you take it at the five it's one every five or yeah. whatever it is and yeah. that's why i hate people and people that i talk to that don't follow racing as much as like i would or we would that when they say all oh, the money's come for this horse that um they've backed it it's like well i don't think you're getting value i I'd take, take the sense that I'd lay then. it. I'd yeah. bet it to lose because there's no value. And in the long run, mm-hmm. I'd win taking those smaller prices. And um, yeah, but people just see the firmers and love a horse that's 51s into 15s. But really, as Scott was talking about percentages, that's the same as three dollars into 270 or something. Exactly like, right. And, you're, the key and word, you wouldn't jump into three into 270. The key word you just said there is the long run. People aren't, and a lot of punters aren't, especially recreational punters, aren't thinking long term. They're thinking, what can I win on this race? Yeah. And I said, well, like someone will ask me for a tip and I'll say, well, it's now $2.50. It was $4.80. And that's when it was a bet. It's probably, oh, I just want to have a winner. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care. And it's like, well, okay. Well, you have a bad day, day, yeah, I'll give you the, I'll tip you the most likely, like that's always the top in my, that's probability wise. That's what I think the most likely horse is to win. So I go through every single race and I'll trip you truly great in the next. I'll tip you. I'm going to tip you what my top of the market is in every single race if you want the most likely winner. But that's not going to be a long-term success, which is everything. So anyway, it's now time for our Mundaring Hotel WA Racing Mastermind competition. We could have a bit of competition here with the lads, a couple of astute WA form analysts here. A couple of sharp operators. So the Mundaring has been the heart of the hills since 1899, located in Jacoby Street, Mundaring. If you get a chance, drop in and see the publican, Ian Butchie O'Connor, they are doing tremendous things up at the Mundaring in uh, this summer. So go along, check it out. The new deck looks mint. Uh, feed, flutter, frothies, it's all happening. All the Fs. Yes, and um, let him know you're a 1-1 listener and he'll uh, he'll look after you, that's for sure. You'll love this, Terry. I've, when we were throwing out last week's tricky mastermind qu- com- uh, questions, I said someone like Travis Murray will be able to, mm, to nail this one, I reckon. Bad. And the OG mastermind yeah. just uh, popped up at the right time. Travis Murray, he got all four questions, all three questions correct last week. And congratulations to Travis. A $100 gift voucher to the Mundaring is in the mail. I was listening to a bit of Dr. Dre on the drive here. He's a bit OG. Reminds me of Travis Murray. <laughs> you know, Dr. Dre, what was it called him? Dr. Murray. So you listen to Dr. Dre? On the way here, I had listened well, to Dr. Dre. For it's been right, a long time. On, it's been on, a long time. Radio or Spotify? What nah, was- Spotify. Really? Yeah, Dr. You're not going to hear Dre on the radio these days, are we? Yeah, I was going to decide to chuck so him you, on. So you, was it? Wasn't Still it? the same old DRA? Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, person. Guess who's back? Yeah, Very nah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, had him on the way. Yep. Yeah. Got Excellent. me in the mood. Got a, a very eclectic music Yeah, taste, I do. Too. Yeah, Cat Stevens on the way home. Probably, so <laughs> there won't be many food groups missed. All right, boys, get your pen and paper out. To be crowned this week's mastermind, you'll need to answer the following three questions correctly. I bet one of the answers is Matthew Ortier. <laughs> no, I think we did that last year. So. Or, Golly. Or, 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 or. Question one. Cerise and White. This is interesting. Cerise and White horses have won five of the last six cock stakes. Mm-hmm. Name the non-Peters horse to win the race in 2017. Question two. Oh, no. Bit of a breeding Reading one here. Name this year's Cox Stakes acceptor whose dam won the race back in the year 2000. Reading buffs. We'll get this one. Actually, wore the Cerise and White when she won back in 2000 as well. Question three. Name the jockey who piloted the Adam Durant train Mr. Moe to win the 2012 Cox Stakes. All right, they are the three questions. Please send your answers in via direct message at the 1-1-Pod on Twitter and you can be in the running for that excellent $100 gift voucher to the Mundaring. All right, Markham, how many out of three? Uh, two out of three. 
three from three. Uh, uh, trivia is not my strong point. Just came out. I'll stick to the to the punting. <laughs> index cards. Uh, index cards say no. Embry wins. Em- Embry wins three from three. Uh, he's already got his voucher, hasn't he? Yes. 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 Giving his voucher. So well earned now. Well earned. So yes, that is the that is the mastermind for episode fifty six, Terry. Mm. All right. Um, am I meant to say something now? Race five. Oh, okay. Race five. Over the – just moved my race book slowly. So this, getting is, there. This, oh, is, this is the TED now. This is the, 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 the CB Cox, now known as the TED. The TED. It's time for the TED. And um, over the 2,100 metres, guys, this is – the race is all about speed map for me here. I don't think um, we're going to be looking much past the top two. How do you guys have this – mapped scotty mccormick i'll throw to you here how do you have this mapped and and do you think that pikey will be aggressive on truly great knowing that he might get stuck behind a few roadblocks if if riding cold from the wide gate with some pretty slow horses between him and trap for fools uh i don't think it matters to be honest doesn't matter what he does you think i've allowed into my ratings because i just thought for a bit of fun to see what i got it i've Mm -hmm. mapped him last um so taking off some points for that and i just think he can if he repeats last start in wait for age that Unless Trap for Fools is too far in front, I think you can just round them up and um, gather them up again, to be honest. This, this race doesn't really interest me. I thought Platoon could have been a bit of a danger, mm-hmm. settling handy. Um, but oh, I just think truly great if it repeats the Kingston's Town. Like I got it improving um, six lengths or something on my ratings points from its previous best and pr- In, probably yeah. can improve again. Incredible stuff. Wasn't yeah, it? it was huge. Um, so it doesn't it's interest me. Nightmares about it. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm finding it difficult to chime in. I'm just passing a graphic across, but I felt like oh, B- Scott's drawing some pictures of some horses on his phone here. I, I felt that? I felt like BJ when I was mapping this race because I had him one one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, just from the widest gate. Well, exactly. I say the widest gate because you got Taxigana coming across. Just, so I actually had him. Yeah, just jam him in there. That, yeah. I, if you can, I, I had him following underneath Taxigana, Taxigana in the. Yeah, I, yeah, I, had, I, had, I had him one. I had him one one as well. Thought as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, he's the sort of horse who begins well and and musters anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, Pikey, the, the Pikey, Pikey hasn't ridden truly great for a while. Interesting no, to know. I don't the, think he's ridden any more prep. The danger is that Taxigano slots in. There's not a spot there, and Pikey has to look at coming across and, and parking in the breeze. So if, would you be happy if you were on – obviously, the current price is going to be too thin for everyone, I'd imagine, at $1.40 or so. But uh, would you be – who would you want to be on? Okay, who would you want to be on if they settled down Trafford's lead and truly great breeze? This is the perfect example for me because I mark this a level zero because mm. I know I'm never going to get 250 about truly great and I have no interest backing around him. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically take the easy way out. Yeah, that's a little bit disappointing, isn't it? I, yeah, I just think you're talking about – I know Trap for Fours is a, is a great horse, but I think you're talking about horses at different stages of their careers, um, maybe different levels of ability. Too. So they both race without cover though? Yeah, we're going to go that question one more time. They both race without cover. Who would you want to be on? That's what Truly Great did last start, wasn't it? Three deep and still. Well, he got he got the back of Taxigano for yeah. a portion, a good portion of the race. Um, but yeah, if they, I know, if they what, both I know race, what you're getting at. Yeah, if that's you're, how you're, you're going to be tipping us into Trapper Fools. I'm not going to be tipping you, but <laughs> it's a bit like our Universal Pleasure in the in the first. Yeah. I, I think um, I think Will Chano will probably win the race. It's probably the most upside there, and I think Truly Great will probably round them up and win the race. But um, Pikey ends up back last, or Pikey ends up on the back of a stopping Taxigana, or has to go to the breeze because there isn't a spot there. Arctic Screaming kick up. Saucy Jack's going to have the back of. Trap for Fools. Saucy Jack's going to be the first horse beaten, giving Trap for Fools a nice little breathing room behind him. Like I, 
I, I just think there's the potential from barrier seven for things to be a little sticky in a in a race where there won't be a, a stack of speed early and there won't necessarily be those gaps opening up. So I I do think that Truly Goat probably ends up in the one one and I've probably done my money instantly. Um, but at, at four fifty Trapper Falls, it's again it's it's one of those races where I think if you run the race four times, Trapper Falls can probably win it once. Can I throw a curveball in? You can throw a curveball in. I may well have an early quaddy and anchor trap for fools. Oh. Okay, talk to me. As, a, as an alternate point of difference, yep. you get th- first three legs are in, Indominus gets up for BJ, mm. it's, it throws huge value in there, and then we get to the last and I've got a small investment, a very small mm. early quad rolling into Trap for Fools for the upset. If, if, the, if the, um, the layoff was good enough, you could either lay him and, and trade out or back truly great and I just I couldn't possibly bring myself to have a back truly great he'll be over quadded won't he truly great exactly right horse, especially in the last leg is over quadded I don't think over quadded's a word this but it can be the kind of one where you could get to a scenario where the, the early quaddy with truly great is $20 and the early quaddy with trap for fools is 400 yep. and it's a 20 times difference yep. in that sense but they're not 20 times different in a marketplace and then platoon shoots through from barrier three and nabs you all just, just taking a little note of that actually <laughs> <laughs> from Scotty. That's very good. Uh, Sorry, already yeah, that's, uh, that's very good. But yeah, look, I'm expecting truly great to be too good. But um, I, I really do believe. Um, and also, I just want to give credit to Brad Willer for that ride last week. I haven't got the data in front of me, but from memory, quickest. Uh, this is after leading quickest eight to six hundred. And then quickest four to two hundred, I think, of the race as well. That's just cagey, isn't it? Well, it if you overlaid the. Aragain race versus the Trap for Fools race mm-hmm. last Saturday, Aragain would have been 12 lengths in front mm-hmm. of Trap for Fools, which is incredible. Is it is it necessarily to Trap for Fools? Um, well, it clearly was on Saturday, but I think Trap for Fools is a pretty strong horse marching out in front. So if they do go at a proper tempo, I don't think that would have been to Trap for Fools' detriment either necessarily. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have associated Trap for Fools, and I was obviously on in the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have associated. I just want to remind everyone of that tipped at seventeen dollars. Uh, there was a scratching button. Let's not worry about <laughs> deductions. Took out about half of that, but let's not worry about that. Um, but I, in the run, I wasn't as pleased because I, I thought I would have just liked to see a more fluent uh, try to get them all off the bit by a certain point. But clearly I was wrong um, in, in that sense. But uh, no, I, I think lots of cheek. Lots of cheek here. Gives a big kick. Trap for fools. So I've, I've actually, yeah, I've marked them two bucks, three bucks type thing. So I reckon this might get ugly. I reckon it could be. Um, it might be a margin. Oh, what do you reckon? That might be a uh, Invictus Indominus margin yeah. top thing. Nine point seven. <laughs> could could it could truly great be Bob's best chance at winning a Caulfield Cup in the next decade? You know, I I thought that after she oh, won the Melbourne Derby, Cup, after she won the the Derby last year, I thought Tuscan Queen looked like a horse capable of winning a Caulfield Cup. Mm. Just had just had that talent, you know, that level of talent. But yeah, this the the, pro- the problem with this fellow is he's like a one oh eight now. You know what I mean? Those Caulfield Cups are sort of one by those four and five year olds sort of getting in on the uh, close to the min- minimum and that, but he's just he's just got Eastern States Group One horse written all over him for mine. I don't want Terry to cry, but there has to be some chance that it's the last time we see Trap for Fools and Truly Great. 
both in this prep and in WA. Yeah. yeah. I can't shed any more tears. I simply can't shed any more tears. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, just to clarify what he's talking about there, I'm guts in on Truly Great and Trap for Fools at 21s and 5s. If you look at the current market, it's really good punting. This is for the, this is for the Perth, for the Perth Cup. Cup. Yeah, so um, there is – there is. Uh, I heard – did Lindsay say he was going to worry about the – look at the forecast for the day about where the Trap for Fools runs? Or that, I think that's I saw – That's a real Jeff Evans thing. Yeah. That, that, that's why Jeff and I are so close as, as friends. <laughs> We're very much that kind of person. Uh, so little side story and it's ancient history now three weeks but uh there was a stage when on ascot gold cup day the track was downgraded from a soft seven to a heavy eight and jeff evans came into the mountain yard and the discussion was whether or not um too close the sun should be a late scratching the dollar 80 favorite of whether or not he wanted to go around on a heavy eight and then back up seven days into a railway so that's a bit of an insight into the ways Dear Jeff name. Evans thinks. Wow. All right, you know him better than anyone. Will Trap for Fools run in the Perth Cup? No. Oh, that's no. Will Truly <laughs> Great run in the Perth Cup? Why would you not run in the – why would they not go to the Perth Cup? It's, it's a horse that's on his – not on his last legs, but this is – he just carried 62. I'm, I'm getting a bit defensive here. A little bit upset. Surely they run in the Perth Cup. Look, I, it's – Why wouldn't you? Well, if you were to get him victorious tomorrow, does he go up another – Four points? Three no, points? No, no, no. I think at max you'd get two. So wait till, wait get till we on Monday. He yeah? still carry mm. less than what he carried in the Towton, I think. If, if so, we said um, right now that these two horses, truly great trap for fools, ran third or fourth, no penalty, then what are we looking at, BJ? Probably at current 61 trap for fools, 60 truly great, and then 53 near on everything else because uh, well, it, it would essentially I had, I had become a look, a, look last year 97 plus or so yeah so last year regal power was weighted top weight 59 and a half as a 108 to 53 plus so 53 minimum yeah so so he was the so it was it was a 97 plus rated race um that was after regal power came out but he was weighted at 59 and a half i suspect that they'll weight trap for fools at 59 and a half down I, I, yeah Party time. Yeah. If, if, if he was go. 59 and a half, then I mean, Terry's corner. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you go? Yeah. So I think 59 and a half at 2,400 is a bit different to 61. Yeah. He, he carried the 62 over 2,200. I'm just going to keep batting for this. There's no way I'm uh, I'm that's, changing my tone here. I, I'd be surprised uh, if they, they put out a set of weights with a horse that's got a six in front of it. Mm. Uh, I just think it's a Perth Cup. Like where else is it's he's still got to carry fifty nine and a half, which is I think it's a kilo and a half over weight for age at twenty four hundred meters. It's still a bloody if you if you can do that and win for me, that's too good. He can win with sixty five. Let's yeah. be honest. Um, just just quickly on on this this race. Um, don't want to get too political, or whatever. No. But have been, Jack. Ha, have been calling it no, no. Have been calling it the CB Cox Stakes, which is its traditional name. It is now known as the Ted Van Hemp Stakes, and Ted Van Hemp was a long time chairman of of WTC and Perth Racing, and um, and you know obviously he deserved. You know he was a long time servant of the club, polarizing figure in a way, and some people have their have their viewpoints on on um, on whether he should have a name. A race named after him um, or not? I don't mind that there's a Ted Van Hemp Stakes. For me, I'm disappointed. If I was a member of the Cox family, I would be disappointed that they have basically been erased from the, the history of this race, and and that family's contribution from West Australian racing has has been minimalised. And like I think they could have created a race for the, for the Ted Van Hemp and um, and I guess showcase his you know uh, what he did for WA Racing over a long period of time. But in effect. So my 
continually saying the CB Cox stakes is is because I'm you know is in honor of that family's contribution. And I think it's important that I think it's disappointing that they the race got changed initially um but i still think it's important that we recognize the history of the race and it was traditionally the cb cox stakes it's a bit like 3200 meters of the perth cup once the history's gone you can't get it back yeah yeah agree so anyway the ted the jericho the ted that's a ted for another year maybe we'll, will we see a ride for the ages this year I can't well, see any fathoms of gold in this field trying to take maybe Saucy Jack. Yeah, boy, Hill. Say, Saucy boy Hill, Jack, Saucy Jack. Out in front. If you do look at Saucy Jack's best couple of runs, they were sitting leaders back, so I reckon they're thinking back at Trap for Full, try and fall into seventh. I think they're thinking picking up the two and a half thousand. Yeah, it's awesome. I, already looked, I already looked at that last <laughs> yeah. night. I said, how much do they get for that two and a half grand? Gee whiz. It's a bit like a where are they now because that day I was actually standing at about the 300 metre marker with Kim Hunter who had backed. <laughs> Uh, fathoms of gold no. at the hundreds and and fairly he heavily too and was was he expecting that type of ride yeah, i think he was yeah okay yeah it doesn't normally get too enthusiastic <laughs> hunter in the run mate. stumping up richie bell around him oh dear <laughs> man that's yeah that's one of the the greatest races i've ever seen one of the greatest calls as well it was a cracker actually it was on social media if you missed it yes, during the week jump on twitter and facebook the tab radio i think tab touch Pages, they uh, recapped what was one of the great editions uh, of the TED. Race six is the Crown Sports Bar Handicap, 2,200 metres, and we see the return of Midnight Blue, who was sensationally scratched from the Towton Cup last Saturday, saved for this race. Interestingly, last start, it, had, it was weighted with 60 kilos in this grade, and they opted for a claim, Carleen Heffel. This time, though, uh, Bob and Sandra, Peter's investments have gone straight to the wizard for Midnight Blue. Mm. Can now this is a this is no gimme. Can Midnight Blue carry the sixty point five from gate eleven and uh, charge his way into potentially Perth Cup favoritism with a victory? Yeah, why not? I don't, I don't normally get um, excited about twenty two hundred meter races. They're my downfall, but I've narrowed this down to two possible chances. Midnight Blue for one. Um, I just think. If they swap the rides of Heffel and Pike last start behind Adornment, uh, Adornment doesn't get close. Pike could not have got a single inch more out of Adornment and it's probably the only time I've ever, ever got on the right side of Pike in a photo. Um, so I was, I was out of the couch on that one cheering home. But you swap the rides and I think Pike um, wins on Midnight Blue or more so Heffel doesn't ride Adornment like Pike does. So from Barry 11, he might have to drop back, but its turn of foot's pretty electric, I think. And... The only danger I have is um, Mr. Delegator. It's not normally a horse of mine, but it's two starts in. I thought it was really tough over the 1600, holding out Bragwell um, last start. It's one over 2100 before, Pateman on a leader. I just think if he can kick away and get too far in front, and he's a pretty, pretty tough horse to get past being three from seven. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got it between the two that I marked a midnight blue three dollars, Mr. Delegator four forty-five, and I think either Delegator leads all the way, or Midnight Blue can chase it down. And first and last covered, basically. First and last covered. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like much else, to be honest. Um, that I don't think they're as suited as those two. There's your perfect okay. losing example too. Of do you jump in early? Bragwell shoot a plus. Mm. That was that was a uh, probably a somewhat of a market error when 
that early price went up. So there's there's a losing example that we were after. Yes. Has it won yet? Yes. No, I've watched the recovery yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, I've, I've got a, a few people that, a uh, few mates, if you beat the Betfair SP, it's considered a winning bet regardless of result and that's the key. So he, uh, he's a sports punter, but um, he looks at starting price by the time they jump. But his, his way of recording is um, if he beats the SP. That's uh, the results sort of irrelevant. Obviously, he prefers to win money. So, Scotty, very keen midnight blue. Before I move, Scotty, what Mack, price did is, you mark? I'm sorry, Scotty. Uh, Three dollars midnight blue and four forty five, Mister Delegate. So the current prices, it's a bit of a bit of a crack at Mister D. Mr. D. Yeah, he's, the, he's the bet comfortably. I missed the early thirteens on three six five. Yeah, but well, <laughs> I jumped in at the ten dollars fifty. Yeah. yeah Not to mention uh, that those markets of Scotty Max are to eighty percent. Wow. Oh yeah. So, wow. I've well, I'm chips in the two. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty Embry, your thoughts on uh, on this particular race, race six? I couldn't get Midnight Blue, but mainly for the point that he copped a map penalty, which is one of the elements in my pre-race ratings. Uh, I'm suggesting that Pike's on for the sole reason that they want these points to ensure themselves if it was a full field Perth Cup that they would get in to make sure that those horses in the, the low 80s that have been going around and around again um, wouldn't hold a spot ahead of him. In the end, it's not a race that I'm going to get involved in. I was 350 midnight blue, 480 MTA, and then 2200. Yeah, it's a question mark clearly, yeah. but I, I just love I love that placement. It, it, three kilos as a three year old taking on the older horses at 2200. Three kilos Lactar Rumley. It's a it's a six kilo weight swing on yeah. on his fair handicap. He's yeah. my next in line. It's just mm. the, the placement Quick that got up. me. Yeah, he's a exactly. He's back, the last two times he backed up, he ran third behind Naughty by Nature, and then he ran second behind Watch Me Dance beating Dom to shoot. So, look, I went MTA, but it's a race where it just looks on paper like I'm going to watch this and go post race. How did I not get Midnight Blue shorter? Yeah, but I understand in my own sense why I didn't. Yeah, I've got Midnight Blue second favourite, so I'm probably a little bit uh, off, off off kilter here. Um, but I just think that's a it's going to be set a task from from you'd think from close to dead last sixty and a half. Um, really, really nice horse, but I think you're going to have Mister Delegator and MTA, who are the two biggest dangers, as you blokes have both touched on. Uh, you're going to have them probably one two um, in running in, in some way or another. And last time we saw Mister Delegator go from the sixteen hundred to the twenty two hundred or twenty one hundred, it was I know it was only a midway grace, but it was only his fifth career start seven six five yeah fifth career start um and it was a pretty tough win sitting outside the uh the speed at his first go at a journey so back in tiana robertson in to do a pretty similar um effort here mitchie pateman i think mitchie pateman gets obviously we saw last start he improved by about two lengths on a on his pb uh, i think this is one of those ones like i was talking about earlier that go really it well. was a pretty perfect ride though wasn't 100% like, it was but it, i can't i can't see why go, this- if you break down the micro yep. sort of sectionals that was that was inch perfect, and he made the move at exactly the right time. And it was, and it, yeah, it was. I can't. It see was incredible. Why. It was and incredible. So last week I tipped Scooter's Machine, and everybody said, "Well, last the, the week before it was on that massive rail bias track at Bunbury, and that's why I gave the kick, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. I said, "Well, it's going to get the same type of setup here, and I think Mr. Delegator gets the same type of setup here." Mitchie with fifty-five and a half. There'll be nothing dead. There'll be no dead weight in the um in the saddle, which is something that's an old wise tale for me. Whether I I should be utilising that or not, but I, I do like it when um, jockeys ride at their catch weight or very close to it. So I just think when you're going to have one horse out in front with some upside, um, giving a nice kicker. I've I've marked Mr. Delegate. I've actually marked him equal favourites at four dollars fifty. So at um, eight nine, as Scotty said, some better prices this morning were around. Um, Mr. Delegate. It's not a. It's probably on Scotty Embry's. It's probably a, a two 
out of a five if we're putting it on your uh, on your level Sliding of confidence. Scale, I, right? I can see Midnight Blue probably winning the race and he's on the upside and probably your Perth Cup favourite after the race. I can see that. But this is – everything's against him here. He's going to have to be really, really yep. good. So, yeah. Never it, doubt it, the great man, Pike. It, well, he ex- always finds a way to shoot up on the rails if that's the way to go. Exactly right. But takes it three deep if he needs, so he always does the perfect thing. He does. If, you, if you're back last and, and the leader gives a really strong kick, sometimes you simply can't win. It's just unwinnable no matter how good you are. And on a horses for courses – Go! It's, it's got to be a little, um, a little play, Mister Delegator here. That's it. I'm with Scotty Mac. Pretty keen Midnight Blue. Thinking that, listening to Scotty Embry and to the Guru, that might get see a bit better than the three dollars on the on the day um, potentially. I don't know. You reckon? I, I I find it hard to read. I think yeah. just think late late Betfield. I just think there's going to be people wanting to wanting to oppose him. So I, I was three dollars Midnight Blue. If I can get. Get that or better um, on the day. I'd be pretty happy with that. It was six dollars, Mister Delegator. Um, so Mister Delegator is the bet. The current yeah. prices. So um, I just think I think Midnight Blue is uh, yeah is uh, yeah. I just feel as though he's just that horse who's just going to keep stepping up to the next level, stepping up to level, stepping up to level um, in a bit of a you know I guess a prep behind Truly Great in a way, and um, just he's just going to eat up the the journey and. Uh, We'll be flying late and just whether he times it, if he yeah. catches the leader or not. I, I just think he's strong enough to be able to sustain an 800-meter run. Do you know what I mean? And and still and still get over – just burn him. Mr. Delegator, third up, 1,600 meters to 2,200 meters. Uh, it's going to have to be good as well. So there's going to be some question marks around that. And the three-year-old, I love seeing Trevor push on with this three-year-old. It um, would have even been interesting if we could see – Days gone by where we used to see three-year-olds in the Cox Stakes or the, the Ted. It would have been interesting to see if they can weave in like a bonus system where horses can progress, young horses or even old horses can progress through the weight for age races to make the the Ted a, another feature, like a, have a bonus system mm-hmm. attached to that, which might attract more more numbers to that particular race. But for me, Midnight Blue, I was very keen last week. I was very disappointed it got scratched. And um, maybe in hindsight, the way that the race panned out, probably might not have won, but I think oh, he's going to win on Saturday. It's Mark funny. Was. It's um, five bucks for a Perth Cup. Most places all in, and it's sort of three bucks here. Yep. So it's not, not that far off. It's Perth Cup price, you know, a little 66 plus. I was happy to take it on last week too. So mm, I think I had a price yeah. of $9, and it's been scratched as a $2.60. Yeah. I'm involved in the better prices of other things and cop the deductions, but don't know if I backed the winner in the end anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> but Yeah. Scotty Mark, we've got you down to take charge of race seven, the Agent Fresh Starstruck Classic, the third leg of the traditional Phillies and Mares series, listed race, 1,600 metres. They tell me that you are super keen on one in this particular event. Relatively keen. Relatively. Um, I've got, because with my punting, only back horses that are within two lengths of my top rated, so I've got three possible horses that I could bat. Um, the main one, I think, is dance music, and I'm hoping it's not a... um flower of war case which i was more than chips in of on <laughs> flower of war and in hindsight it was um definitely a bit flat this preparation but i think dance music's the other way it's it's going really well it should have finished a lot closer last start behind kementari in a group three and just on weights and ratings um it's the best well the best rate um weighted horse in the race um obviously got respect to chantria but second up dance music so i think got that bit of fitness and I mean, it could be my detriment taking on Pike from Barrier One, um, but then also Serenity Bay, I think, was massive last start. It was a peak rating I've ever got on it, and if it can repeat that, it can go close too. So um, I'm, I'm pretty bullish. Dance music can push forward, and 
lead or if something wants to cross it, it can sit behind them, a bit like in the Northern Cup when it just shot through on albeit a leader bias day. Um, it's an interesting map, isn't it? There's no sort of defined leader. It's very similar to the Jungle Dawn in regards to how it could be run in um, in that sense. So, Well, the map hinges a lot on... Lonsdale Lady, does it not? It does, yeah. And, and and again, my understanding is that they don't want to lead with Lonsdale Lady. So it's um, if they go back and, and take a snag, I mean, it, it, it sort of does mean that um, Morning Song could end up in front if they want to be aggressive. Dance, but music, as, dance music. Dance just, music. Yeah, 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 I'd be more, more than happy to as well. Hunter, right? Yeah, exactly right. Just to remind you more of Flower War. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hopefully it's a bit more of an enjoyable race to watch mm. this time because Flower War was gone pretty quick. At least I... I knew I'd done my money early before the post. So current um, current market is where are we? Is Chantre's favourite three dollars ten, and Dance Music's basically f- vying for favouritism at the moment three twenty. Um, then it pushes out to Serenity Bay seven fifty, Special Choice eight fifty, and then there's a range of horses around the fifteen to nineteen dollar chance. So there is quite a few sort of options in this race, but the market is is um, flip flopping at the moment between the um, the established class and quality and the weighted horse of um, dance music and the, I guess, the untapped um, X Factor, Chantre, who tasted a defeat for the first time last start and probably, you know, probably was a bit stiff. Yeah, takes another were, leap too. There was a few that were a bit stiff. Yeah. That naughty by nature, you could say, should have won the race. Um, Rationale. Rationale. Lonsdale Lady didn't step. Um, then if you go a little bit further, you can say she's a light. Well, only fell in. She was super tough late. Like, she just knows how to win races. She's won seven of 19 or, or something of that nature. So she could end up leading it just about if they look for a sit on dance music. But, um, yeah, I think the big query dance music is just when, when's, when's one run um, too many as well mm-hmm. for the Absolutely. preparation as well. So that, that's got to be a query. I haven't got dance music anywhere near Chantrea in my market. Um, Mr. Embry, how, how's your market looking? I know you're a big weights man. And when, when a 99 rater gets into a – uh, a little set weights and penalties. What is it? Fifteen points above uh, Festival Miss is your second highest rate. That's probably where your money will land. No, good times no, no I, I've surprised myself here, okay. and it's only because, and it's something that is a work in progress. But it's working on how do you, <clears throat> excuse me, how do you assess improvement, or how do you go? This horse is progressive is the word that we use to describe it. But how do you put a measure on that? And so I've given Shantria probably too much of a push here and so she's ended up favorite mm-hmm. in my market which did somewhat surprise me because yeah on a strict handicap dance music should carry seven and a half kilos more than her because she's got the runs on the board i think in the back of my head i am still questioning whether dance music is really a miler a winner of the northern cup on that as scotty said rails oh. hot day do you prove much there or don't you that being said, this is not a race for me, and it's for a, a couple of reasons. The first what of all, what price is Chantreau? Sorry, two ninety. Okay, three ninety. No, sorry, I got my updated price. Three, three ten Chantreau, three seventy dance music. Okay, and that's ninety five percent. Ninety five percent. Okay, yep. So uh, there's a number of reasons that I'm not involved in this race. The first of those being that, as one of my punting rules and there are a few of them one of them is i don't back horses out of slow run races yeah full stop end of story don't do it do you think that's a bit definitive it is but i've found over the last five years that it's worked you go and and it's something i used to record too because what's what's slow though so what's 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 the what's the tipping point the tipping point is two lengths yeah so two two lengths slower than average yeah oh wow yeah. Okay. So, for instance, the, the ju- overall? overall overall race time. Yeah, so, yeah. the Jungle Dawn was six and a half lengths slower than average. Mm-hmm. So, 
I simply won't back a horse out of that race. And that's because you don't see that as a, a solid form reference to some degree. It what about matter. the fact that we think this race will be run at a similar tempo? Exactly. Well, then why would I want to be involved? Mm -hmm. So the only chance that I would be of playing into this race is dance music because she brings alternate form to those that have come from the jungle dawn. Okay. And she's probably going to be the beneficiary of that slow tempo. What if we see $4.20 late, she Chantria? Well, yeah, there's so she, many decisions to be made. And she's she's coming down, just on that dance music, she's coming out of a blistering railway stakes and then uh, 1,400 metres where they run 122. So At wait for age. Wait for age, yeah. So, and was probably, and as Scotty Mack was saying, she's beaten 2.7, but if she gets out into the three wide line and moves into the race with momentum, she probably finishes a length closer anyway. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. Invariably back on those slow run races, that's why you say something like so many of those horses were unlucky. Yes. Because they're always a bunched finish yep. because they've gone so slow that they've finished alongside each other. You'll, you'll find that the, the winner has run the same last 600 as the swooper. And so nothing's been able to prove anything and you just don't quite know how well any of them have gone. Mm -hmm. So as a blanket- trust the rating that they've given off for the race. Exactly. So as a blanket rule, I tend to avoid those as future bet form references. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So what about a horse like Serenity Bay? So it's- Doesn't get it, the mile anyway. It's come out of the uh, very fast carbine club behind Nerf Bosk and that form is obviously pretty good. Um, Mr. Run, so it's 28 days between run, Mr. Run due to a floating mishap two weeks ago. And um, so, yeah, so, and I guess Grant and Alana Williams, how many runners do they have in this race? So there's, she's ended up with Joe as a party on board after Johnston Porter and um, Chris Parnham and others. Jane McNaught have, have opted for, for other rides in the race. What what do you do with, she, she's the other horse with the, I guess, the alternate form references. I guess this is the point I'm trying to make. Oh, well, again, we come back to, the, the prices and, and the betting. And in the end, I look at a race like this. So as I said, 310 Chantria, 370 Dance Music, I'm $7 Serenity Bay. But if you take those prices, Dutch them together, I'm never going to be able to bet into this race above $2.50 and be on the horses that I want to be on. So it's a no bet race for me, but Serenity Bay, I think the the obvious query is 1,600 metres. And the month between runs now as well, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. I, I probably don't take a lot about the, the month between runs because she arrived on course, I think it was swelling in the off four cannon. She's probably the very next day worked. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact that on that day she's not ready to race. It's a it's a good race, but it's not a race that interests me. Mm -hmm. For me, I was $3 Chantrea, $4 dance music. I think uh, – I think Chantre is just obviously she's a winner. I think she's uh, destined. She could be a Lindsay Smith horse that uh, ends up at his Warnable stable sooner rather than later in the in the new year. I would suspect. Um, I think she can begin really well in a in a race that lacks tempo. I think Pike's going to take up a very forward running position with Chantre. Maybe leaders back potentially. Uh, Stork. Back gonna, of dance music. Yeah. So gonna have, takes on dance music, you're three back defense, yep, I think so. Yep. Uh, it's going to have a full head of steam out. Just Pikey just needs to find clear galloping room, let her let rip, and uh, she could uh, she should be too good for them, I think. Yeah. 265, Chantreo, 440, dance music for me. So um, I haven't taken the 310 at the moment. I'm, I'm still just a bit umming and ahhing what I want to do. The one horse I'm expecting improvement from, and I can't really quantify why I exactly think this. I'm also going to make Serenity Bay lay. I'll, I'll lay that on um, Betfair tomorrow morning. I'll put up some- Can't nine, wait. Put up some nine bucks or something like that. I eh? have 750 Beautiful. best at the moment. Um, 
But I'm expecting big improvement from another one that Mitchie Pateman jumps on. Um, I thought there was more in Festival Miss's run last start than we actually saw. I don't think Festival Miss got a great deal of galloping room, but wasn't perhaps as aesthetically as unlucky as the other runners. The current price is absolutely horrible. I reckon we're going to see 40 plus late on the exchange Oof. or 30 plus late on the exchange. I just want something sure. very small on. Um, Chantria will be the the investment at the, uh, the $3 price. I'll, I'll, I'll be having my usual... On uh, Naughty by Nature. Naughty by Nature. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I think that was going to come up today. I, I <laughs> kept on looking at it. It was unlucky last start, but yeah. Uh, it was, it was yeah, but again, as Scotty said, as you guys both said, it uh, there was plenty of unlucky runners in that particular race. There so. was, and you just mentioned it already, BJ. CJP opted to ride um, Naughty by Nature over, and that might be uh, the fact that he's ridden Naughty by Nature basically throughout a career but yeah. um the fact he's on over serenity bay who's half the price it's a, it's a little push if you need an extra little current push. current price is 15 dollars naughty by nature but i'm suspecting it'll get it'll be one that gets squeezed out similar to your uh view of festival miss festival miss terry yeah so. that'll be out the door okay i look forward to that nine dollars serenity bay I'm, yeah it's all yours i've got it second favorite with oh, a, well, even a 1600 ah 1600 1600 meter um penalty Oof. i think um, have your notifications on tomorrow morning then. Oh, I will. First I'll, be, in I'll best be waiting rest. there refreshing. Um, Very good. I like, this. I like this. Yeah, Chantry is $6. Dead, dead, dead stuff. Won't talk to me ever again if it wins now. So, tw uh, I yeah, think so I'm on that's, two against you, Terry. That's Twitter Lays. Twitter Lays tomorrow morning from uh, Terry Twitter Guru. Yes. Yep. All right. Race eight is the Thoroughbred Breeders WA Black Diamond, the very first running of the Black Diamond. It's a Phillies and Mares race, $100,000, ratings 66 plus. Who wants to uh, dive into this one? I will, actually. Scotty. This is my second bet race, and it's another Dutch bet race. So taking my prices, Miss Frost, Cryptic Love, Solid Azza. So putting, again, eggs in a basket, the jungle mist form. So the uh, the Grandstand Cup form into the jungle mist form. But if I take my prices and Dutch the three of those, I have them as a $2.10 Dutch in the current market prices, I can Dutch the trio of them at $3.25. So again, it's a, a three-way play. It's nothing extraordinary or outside the box, but I just thought that in this race, there's going to be so many horses that hold percentage. So probably in my market aren't legitimate winning chances, but are going to hover around that 10, 12, 14, $15 mark. Better and Bell one of those. Better and Bell <laughs> definitely one of those. And, uh, and probably are just going to mean that Horses like Miss Frost, like Cryptic Love, like Solid Azza, all stay backable prices for me. So it looks to be a bet race, but it's also one that probably because I'm working at that thinner end of percentage, I'll wait. Mm -hmm. Scotty Mack. I am relatively um, interested in getting involved, but I've got this race an absolute raffle. I've got it $8.50 of the field. Mm. Um, I've actually got Taj Marley on top, I think. With the blinkers back on, Jade can push it straight to the front, back to 1,200. can be a pretty tough horse to get past. And I'm interested to see if anyone else has it. This is my Maddie of the day, American Choice. I've got mm. that uh, um, just behind Taj Mahali as well. And um, I think the $26 is a big price at the moment. But, um, I mean, mark $10 in my book. Go but, um, forward and breeze outside Taj Mahali, do you think? Yeah, well, I think it would try and push forward, or I don't honestly really know what it will do. Um, it's gone forward before. Kind of has to, hasn't it? I think, yeah, I think it would have to. Yeah, yeah, I think it was given none. Um, I put my back. faith in Chris Parnham. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think it's an absolute raffle. I've got 
like seven horses within three kilos, so within two lengths, I think. It's a funny race, isn't it? It's like you've got your class horses coming out of the listed fillies, and then you've got horses in the market like Miss Ivy League and Ladies of London who are coming out of class one provincial victory. So it's – and then obviously Due West is 440 coming via mm. a Bunbury class three, I think it was. So What a steer that was. Jeez, oh, oh. wide guy just chucks it in a spot and says, I'm just going to pop past the one, stable, one. mate. Yeah, the old 1-1 one, one yeah, from 11. One. Talking about steers, Miss Frost. Um, oh, that Mitchie was, Payton yeah. Was probably one of the best rides I've seen in yeah. a long time from barrier 10 there. It certainly was. The query about the 1200 was uh, <laughs> shot down. And uh, Luke, Mick, now a black type trainer, yeah. gets the 11 <laughs> points as well. Mitchie just said, uh, I'm just... One one. That's just, my spot. Just well, Brad, one, Brad one. got the back of uh, the best horse in that race. At this Flower of War. Flower of War. <laughs> oh, no. We don't want to go back there. I think I saw we? someone post on Twitter that the – was it Tycoon Storm that got caught behind yep, it and yep. said he got caught behind the slow one? Mm-hmm. So I think which was, yeah, the – was going back was pretty yep. quick. It was. It was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, stiff, I think, stiff. <laughs> I, um, like, I like one of this. Do you? Yep. I reckon this is the race for Solid Azza. Mm. Scotty mentioned it in his Dutch. Um, I feel as though she – I thought her, her run two back was behind in the In Love With Paris race where they went in love with Paris and – said that horse come? Comes a time. Comes a time. Comes a time. Went sort of head and head for the whole thing. And I thought she was really rocketing late. The Jungle Mist run was behind Miss Frost. It was full of merit. Gets significant weight swing on um, – Miss Frost, six kilos. As a party, l- later in the day, if, if the um, if they're making good ground, I think. Check out Willie Wind. Yeah, Willie Wind, yes. Uh, if if Joe as a party can get solid as a uh, maybe three wide with cover, four wide, peeling into the lanes at Ascot, rocketing down the outside, I think each way, I think solid as a is, is, a, is, a, is a good go. Well, it, to me, looked on paper like a swoopers race, if you will, because yep. those class horses are all going to be three deep with cover. Mm-hmm. Ladies of London, Miss Ivy League, Jew West, Taj Mahal, American Choice, the five sort of horses that can go forward. Igarashi. Igarashi. Queries on how good they are. So I like to look at races like that and say leaders stopping, who gets past them. So the one that's come up my prices again, one of Scotty's Duchess, stable mate of yours, is Cryptic Love's yeah. come up well above my yeah. price. I've already hopped in, happy with the 17, 18, 19 bucks around. Um, at her best, she's got former around Celebrity Queen. Electric um, turn of foot when you say that. <laughs> exactly right. Electric turn of foot. Paul Harvey goes back on. I don't think... Sean, I don't know, got anything really out of her last start. So it's a little bit on eye, a little bit on spec in that sense and hoping we can make ground uh, out wide. But, um, yeah, I think at nearly 20 to 1, who I think is probably the best horse in the race, um, I think there are far worse bets than Crypti Glove each way here for me. You know, you know that this horse is, is racing incredibly well, but I just can't map it. Skin and tins. It was four oh. and five deep the entire. It's fine. And, and Pikey, yep. Pikey was on the favourite um, dark mission and he just assumed that he was going to be able to get up inside skin and tins and shift it. But she wasn't budging and she fought out that finish so bravely. It was a run and a half and and even her jungle miss run was pretty good. But from 14, Killer Kennedy, geez, it's a tough, tough steer. Tough steer if it drew a barrier, I'd absolutely yep. be on. It's one I've been following. I was last start, I was on it and – well, I was also on Beat the Bro. <laughs> Still haven't got over that one quite yet, I don't think. Um, I think, think Skin is really a map horse as yeah, well. Like absolutely. I think, um, I think it's a sort of just get covered just off them type thing. If it has to sprint alongside Solid as a cryptic glove, I think the yeah, other two co- are probably going to run quicker last They're going to burn it. So. Uh, yeah, wait for it to draw a gate, but Skin and Tins is a horse we will have a fill up on soon. Okay, yeah. For me, I'm Solid as and I'll probably be having something on the stable, mate. Mm-hmm. David Harrison, uh, David Harrison Dutch. 
That sounds right. David Harrison yeah. Dutch. He's yeah. been keeping a lot of his runners up a little bit longer once they've started performing badly. It's an interesting time at the Harrison Yard, I found, just from a neutral observer. Yeah. Uh, I just find that a few Jericho Missile in, in particular, I found it odd that it kept on going around. And Chicks pick. Chicks pick, exactly the same thing. Yeah, I thought maybe it could have been tipped out in a little break, but um, I'm not a group one. Is he a group one winning trainer? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kingston Town Classic, Blevo. Blevo. There, there you, go. you go. Thank you. I'm not a group one. Are you a master trainer. one? Uh, no, I'm not a master one either. He's uh, a guru, though. No. He's, uh, a guru. He's, a, he's a dickhead, I think, is, is a fair assessment. Oh, here we go. AJ, what's it, uh, what's it time for? It's, uh, it's time for the Get Out Stakes. That's right, Terry. The Market City Meets Get Out Stakes, S-T-E-A-K-S. Very, very popular Twitter-based competition. Probably the most popular on Twitter, actually. Yeah. All competitions. It is. Mm. It's it. It's it's extreme. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's extreme. <laughs> the um, Get Out Stakes is brought to you by Market City Meats, which is the largest retail butcher shop in Perth, located at the Canningvale Markets on Bannister Road. There is an epic Christmas menu, uh, which we might share on our social media channels. Um, Market City Meats is just dominating the Christmas market there. And go out, check it, check it out. Go and say good day to Timmy Hewitt. He runs the show. His team do a tremendous job. They'll look after you, especially if they know that you are a one-one listener. Ran into Timmy a couple of days ago. Timmy Hewitt walking out of the shops, just about fifty meters from my house. Oh, about fifty meters from my place. Just said hello, Timmy. Hello, Terry. Had a chat. Good bloke. Did he? Did yeah. he give him a hat? Uh, no, I didn't give him a hat. No, we'll get one to him. No, we know he needs a one-one hat. The he boys does. have their one-one hats, so um, uh, yes. Yeah, so make sure Timmy Hewitt gets kitted out with one of those as well. So congratulations to last week's Get Out Stakes winner, David Keats. Who is this guy? Terry. He is robbing us. Blind mm. Keatsy has what? This was his. I think it was his third victory in the Get Out Stakes. However, it comes a week after. Keats likes his mates. He does like. Mm. <laughs> he does like his mates. How long did he get going with that one, Terry? Yeah, <laughs> just, I was really, that's why I'm interrupting. It just came to me. I was really excited about that one. The Get Out Stakes victory for Keatsy comes one week after the Get Summer Ready with Betfair. He won that as well. Yeah. He's, he's, it's an easy game. He's, he's doing great things mm. as our man, David Keats. And he did bob up on Twitter the other day saying he's very grateful for all the collects, all the dividends he's mm. been getting out of the 1-1 and that he will buy Terry some froffies over the Christmas period if they uh, happen to run into each other on their respective so. journeys. So now to enter this week's Get Out Stakes competition, simply at the 1-1 pod on Twitter, who you think will win race nine of the day a decimal winning margin, two decimal places preferred. Remembering the Sam White rule, Terry. First in, best dressed. First in, best dressed. Who wants to lead the way in the Get Out Stakes? Sure, well, it's the one and only owner of the People's Horse. Well, I, I tell you what, we got a, it's it's pretty. Uh, he uh, he did that and won, didn't he? Dick he D? did. He certainly did. Pike says thanks, WA. Very good initiative. Oh, yes, uh, tell, initiative, tell us more. actually. Tell us more. Uh, well, I don't, all I know is from what Julio Santarelli tweeted the other day, actually. But uh, Scotty, do you know much more about exactly what's going on here? Yes, yes. Uh, Julio was explaining it on Tab Radio Wednesday. So Willie Pike will be staying after the last to sign autographs and take selfies. And there will be a losing tickets, a lucky losing tickets barrel for some wizard merchandise. Oh, wow. Uh, so you won't be able to enter? I, no, well, paper tickets. <laughs> Scotty's already done the maths on your battle. I was, was going to say, because <laughs> you won't have a uh, loser. That was the joke. <laughs> no, I yeah. got the joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I believe, I was told if you go to Dale Verhagen's Twitter page too, he is published what the merchandise packs look like. Okay. Looks like a one-one podcast hat that says wizard instead. Okay. With a few oh, t-shirts. Second, second prize isn't bad. 
Can he win is the question. Uh, can he win? Yeah, he, he can, I think. I, I'm not usually a big dig deep tipper and I'm not going over I'm not going over the top here and he's, he's, he's not actually at my price at the yet, uh, as yet. But I don't believe that um, – I believe we'll see a better price late for dig deep. I don't think that um, – the bots and the Betfair workers have a great deal of um, sentiment when it comes to betting. So I don't think just because Pike is riding uh, a horse named after himself in the last is necessarily- And Terry owning, of course. Um, yeah, of course. That's the biggest yeah. thing, yes. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to firm. So I'm happy taking hold. But from a speed map point of view, and, and you guys, I'd love for you to interject here. Um, from a speed map point of view, I've got Laurentinio leading. Um, Sophie's song breezing. I've got deep, deep back of Laurentinio. And I've comfortably got us there too. So do I. Do you? My, my, that's what, that's what, that's my, 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 my only question it's in over, that, isn't it? But my only question in that map is that Laurentinio also doesn't step. He's not a gate speed horse. He's a he's a mustering leader. So that's that was my only little minor query in the map. But look, there doesn't seem to be a deal of speed in this race that he should be able to fire up the inside. And I'm, I'm with you. It leaves you leaders back, and does it not leave Resort Man one one? Leads just one. Resort Man doesn't step and it could leave Resort Man on the back well, of the deep. I thought Resort Man jumped really well on Saturday. Jumped last, didn't it? Yeah, on Saturday, jumped just last. gone. Yeah, it mustered well. It mustered well, but I guess over the 1400, he can muster again and get up to the, the spot he needs to get up to. But um, was, I mean, was was Resort Man, I was speaking to Crip on the phone this morning, did you think Resort Man was slightly disappointing last week or not? 1100. I don't Ele- think yeah, there, there was I think it needs yeah. 12, he was 14. Against. He was definitely, def- he was definitely disappointing. Sat- Platinum Bullet, if you said pre-race, Platinum Bullet's going to sit outside Resort Man and without beat him cover. without cover. You're just yeah. like, nah, can't happen. Mm-hmm. And she she did, and she did, and good horse yeah. Platinum Bullet on this day, I think. Yeah, even very though it knocked me so. out of the quality. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, I. Uh, but how good though? Aren't we talking Resort Man is like, you know, yeah, rise, was, Rising Stars type stuff, black type horse in the yeah. making, and I'm, you know, like they're not machines. So every now and then, they're gonna um, flatten off their peak a little bit, but she's. Yeah, maybe it was just the 1,200 back to 1,100. Yeah, I think it was just um, a bit sharp for it. To, it yeah. enjoys the that, – well, that step up from 1,000 to 1,200, I mean, it wasn't suited in that first up run, but it was just a different horse being able to, I guess, kind of cruise along and not get gassed from it was the inter- faster horses. It was interesting when Mitchy Pateman was just like, you know what, I'm just going to put a – try to get my nose in front of Resort Man and make it tough for him, like mm-hmm. take him take him into the trenches and just see what he's made of. And – um yeah, it was bold, wasn't it? And it's just, it's just it's just the the sign of someone who's on right at the top of their game at the moment mm. in the pigskin, Mitchie Payton. But as Scotty was uh, has middled there with the map, and, and sometimes the race might not come down to Dig Deep and Resort Man as much as it comes down to Laurentinio and Sophie's song. And does um, can Laurentinio give a big kick with the claim? And um, and does Resort Man have to go early? Is there a three wide line? She gets held up for a second. Does does who gets the better card into the race? If Sophie's song gives a bigger kick than Laurentinio at the top of the straight, Dig Deep's probably cooked. It's not going to be able to pick up an out sprint result man with the 60 kilos i wouldn't have thought even under the urgings of the wizard so look i'm, I'm hoping for a, a few certain things to end up and go the right way and I'm, I'm i'm pretty much just got the blinkers on here that we're gonna focus on dig deep but i mean laurentinio went up 19 dollars this morning for your leader with 55 and a half like that was just that was a no-brainer investment i felt that was probably a little bit of a wild price for your for your leader with a nice claim um, i'm aware that was a gift last start I'm, I'm i'm fully aware that it was a gift last start but um yeah, I think that was the the big overs this morning. But this is a race full of like horses in form, like Red Publisher, Bad Wolf. It's a good good way um, to finish the day. Yeah, is, there, is there a horse going better than Megazone? Me- no. Megazone, exactly right. Like Megazone is absolutely flying at the moment. Uh, Rationale was close to a moral beat and one of many of them in 
the jungle dawn, miss? Jungle dawn, yeah. Slowly run jungle dawn. Exactly right. And the slowly run jungle dawn. Uh, Son of Bacchus carried the uh, 61 and a half uh, at uh, Pinjarra, I think it was last night. It was huge. Uh, State attorney first go 1400. Not impossible that it gets the 1400. And then um, Mankind's coming out of group three, group three, group one, and wasn't horrible in the winter bottom. Only beat four home, but wasn't actually all that bad. Has run well for apprentices in the past as well. Has done. So, yeah, look, I- Can't uh, lean on board. Look, I think it's a it's a cracking race, but from a speed map point of view, we're focusing in on uh, Laurentini on Dig Date Leader. Leader's back. They're the ones that have come up a price for me, but um, yeah, we're not going over the top here. And we're waiting for Dig Date, but I'll take any price late. <laughs> <laughs> Depends if Pike's back to um, ridden a few during the day. Exactly if he's ridden right, a few yeah, during the like day, to follow him. They, um, especially in a race named after him, it's uncanny how many Pike backers there are yeah. that just blindly blindly back him in the last anyway rightly so let alone after a good day with a race named after him on the people's horse so yes yes what what about if you were well said i can't pat you back you're too far away but well said what about if you were following the old kim hunter theory that was Mm -hmm. if you liked a horse and the jockey had already ridden a winner you double your bet and then every time through so if william pike's looking for his fourth winner you would have quadrupled your stake by the time we get to dig deep i might have a couple of bucks on this year tell you what it gets big that could be dangerous um, where are you looking, Scotty? Uh, I'm not really. Uh, I'm sticking resort, man. I, I still think this horse can continue on through the grades. I wonder sometimes watching him whether whether he's going to make that grade, but he certainly looks like the kind of horse that could. Seven days, 1,400, dropping three kilos in weight. In theory, a nice map as well. I'm, I'm a resort man fan. Megazone, if he'd drawn a gate, yeah. he, he would have been the best of the day because he is against the pattern Agreed. first up or mm. against his race pattern, against the full meeting pattern second up. He's going that well. Protested against Karakapo awesome. too that day. So mm. um, obviously thought that little bit of inconvenience costed a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Other Outside of those, I mean, in terms of a quaddy perspective, We've named half the field of horses that need need to go in, and I don't even think Luke's goal got a mention. I thought he was arguably a better run than Dig Deep last time. Yeah, back too. to the back to the fourteen hundred too. So yeah, just wonder whether Luke Gold Luke's goal does his best racing off um, a shorter break yeah. as well. Um, yeah, well, the, the ones that have come up. I mean, really, for me, if I'm not getting, uh, if I'm leaving my art out of it, Mankind and Laurentino is a double play. Laurentino is into ten, eleven bucks now. I didn't realise that, so that's less uh, less exciting. But um, now, nah, look, I'm just I'm betting with the heart for once. Bet with the head, bloody hundred times a week. So I just have a moment off. Bj, how far dig deep? Oh, I tipped resort man. I'm but, not interested, Scotty. What do you but, reckon? <laughs> but, but I, uh, but I, yeah, I, I wasn't. Mine, my price had a three in front of it, so mine had four. Yeah, mine's got a five. I think it was not three, resort man, three fifty resort man. Um, but uh, the compression of this this market is going to be interesting on Betfair late, especially with all the all the runners that we've highlighted as as chances, especially with. Uh, Pike in the last, Pike thanks WA handicap. There's a lot happening in in this particular race. Pattern of the day as well. Um, but resort man's too short for me at the moment. Um, I'm a resort man uh, believer, but um, a bit like 
a bit like Scotty, I'm just a bit concerned that there might be a little bit of a chink there. But I think this is this is the big litmus test for him. D-Day for a resort man on Saturday. If he gets out to the 350 mark or beyond, I'll be I'll be happy. I'm I'm gonna be having not now, I think her price is a bit unders, but I'm gonna be having something on Ration, Ali and Megazone. I think they're they're two that are gonna um ease from their current quotes. Ration Ali currently twelve dollars. Megazone 11, I think they're going to ease from that, push out closer towards the $20 mark and I'll be having something on both of those. That's my yeah. thoughts. Well, my, my prices basically agree with the market. Just um, don't get – I've got Resort Man on top but um, nowhere near any value. I've got it $5.25 on top just mm-hmm. ahead of Dig Deep at 6 So I guess it was six fifty. Um, but Rationale is the only kind of value at the moment with Laurentinio and Megazone both chances. So – this will be just a price-dependent race. Um, I'll wait until Betfair late and whatever overs I get. So I don't know what I'll be on. Probably Rationale at this stage and um, whatever's value will be my bet. It would be great to see the People's Horse win next Saturday. <coughs> next, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry, Jen. Um, next Saturday <laughs> at Esperance. The uh, Great Man Barry's Rabbit. The okay. real people's the horse. The real people's horse. Okay. Well, well, there's um, yeah, that's that's debatable. I reckon the real. People's I got choked horse. up just talking about. Yeah, it. I mean, that's how popular did, yeah. he is. Barry, that's how much he means to him. Geez, Barry's broken a few hearts over the journey, hasn't he? Oh, he's but he's just a great battler. He's got a bit quiet on Twitter. You said you're not on Twitter, but I reckon I have seen you on Twitter under the Barry's Rabbit handle. No, I actually know <laughs> a very handy cricketer who is behind Barry's Rabbit because, of course, we bought Barry's as a tried not horse. About Lockie Taylor, are you? No, no, much better than that. <laughs> he might oh, even be a little. Might have been me a listener of the podcast. His name is Fraser. But uh, the Barry's Rabbit Twitter handle was long before we purchased him. Oh, was it? Yeah. We oh. we, we purchased Barry as a six-year-old. Mm. We should do that. We should do like a, a compile a list of uh, horses who have their own Twitter handles. Atacama Sky, um, Flo. Doesn't Flo have his own Twitter handle? No. Uh, I think that's more the um, – in, from the owner's mouth, oh, it? Yeah. 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 Street Bandit used to. Street Bandit yeah, used to. Street Bandit, yeah. Surely yeah. Sigil did. I thought you're 90. Sigil should have, yeah. Um, Barry's Rabbit, of course. Yeah. So, uh, surely, D- this could be the, the chance to launch the Dig Deep Twitter handle. Well, it could be. It could be. Yeah, I, I'm not a – I can't barely handle my own Twitter, let alone another one. I'll get confused what's going on. What price did you have Dig Deep, Scotty? Uh, six. Yeah, it's okay. I'm just trying to just trying to. Con- I was seven. Converge. Yeah, I had him. I had him seven bucks as well, but I, I'll I'll back him at five fifty late probably. <laughs> um, okay. Final word on the last dig date for me. Uh, I think Resort Man will win, but not at the current prices. Okay. We'll playing. I'm with BJ. Resort Man. Um, Rationality at the prices at the moment. Otherwise, whatever I'm on on become jump time. Okay, I like it. Jeez, this has been a long one for even us, hasn't it? <laughs> Okay, it's time for our Betfair Best Betting Propositions of the Day. Scotty Mack. Um, what have you got for us, mate? I'm going to go which race, race six, and on prices at the moment, Mr. Delegator. Um, just, yeah, because I've got it $4.45 and it's $9, but hopefully saving midnight blue over $3. Very good. Scotty Embry. A uh, pair of Dutch plays, but they're both over $3. In race four, Aberdeen Queen, our idol Tredentia, so the Grandstand Cup form. And then race eight, Miss Frost, Cryptic Love, Solid Azza, the Jungle Mist form. Does that count as six betting propositions well, of the I was day? Or? Say, oh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a query, but uh, it's strategy. We, we love strategy here at the uh, at the one one. PRG. Uh, we'll go with Aberdeen Queen in the fourth, uh, around that eight bucks. 
Okay. So last week I went with Midnight Blue and I'm going to go again. I think that we're going to get a better price than currently available on the do. That's right. <laughs> in front. Uh, Midnight Blue is my Betfair best betting proposition of the day. Hopefully, if we can get around the 350 mark or beyond, I'll be wrapped with that. Uh, Maddie, $20 or more. What do you got for us? Uh, Macca? Twig? In a very open race. Pete race, Jr.? Race seven. Yeah, McCormack Jr. Mac Jr.? Um, not race seven. Race eight. American Choice. American Choice. Um, I like that. At the $26 yeah, at the moment. It's going to be a big price too. Yeah, it'll be. Lonsdale Lady, did she, did she end up plus side of 20? She will. She will. She I'll, will. I'll, I'll cop that. Uh, are you tipping her as your Maddie expecting her to lead? No. Expecting her to breeze? Maybe. Okay. Expecting her to go forward. Yes. Okay. Does it really count if it's not $21 yet? Because I remember- <laughs> I'm about to I've, I've, been waiting to, <laughs> I've been waiting to use this one until I came on the podcast. I remember Sharp Bob all those times ago, and you were going to tip it as your Maddie because it was $15 or $16. Yeah. And started at 7 Yeah. At, and I, at uh, the highest. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. really a Maddie. Ran well too. So I just, just thought I'd bring it up. It's um, did, something I've been waiting yeah. to say and- Oh, um, then baby, whichever way you guys want to go with it. Just baby Blues baby is blues. definitely plus side of 20, considering we talked yeah. about him. Yes. Okay. So, Baby Blues or uh, what's the other one? La- Lonsdale Lady. Lonsdale Lady. Baby Blues or Lonsdale Lady. Uh, well, mine's only 18 bucks, but that's that's close enough. It's better to throw one out at 18 bucks and make one up at 25, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, Cryptic Love, I've got on top. So, well, I've got on top. I've uh, It's it's a bet for me. It's an actual bet. So, um, Cryptic Love, uh, just shy of the $20 mark, but bet fair it might get there. Mate, I'm clueless at the, with the Maddies at the moment. All my all my horses are around the $15, mark. $17 Multi-two of them together then. Uh, uh, Give us something at 300 I, well, I, I reckon I'll get Maddie territory, predicting Maddie territory for naughty by nature. She can be my Maddie in the uh, in race seven of the day. Don't mind that. Shouldn't back horses in slowly run races though, should we, Scott? <laughs> no, we should not. No. Now, that brings our um, CB Cox Stakes edition to a close. I'd like to personally like to thank Scotty Mack and Scotty Embry for coming on board and uh, quite highbrow punting philosophies going on yeah. uh, over this in this episode of the 1-1 one, one. but uh, thanks for coming on board gents and I'll throw it over to the guru to do what he does best yeah we'll wind it up nice and quickly here that was uh, Scotty Emery's getting in trouble from Mrs. Scotty Emery I think at home because uh, he's now learnt why the uh, the podcast go for so long because they go for so long thank you Scotty thank you Scotty have loved having both of you on loved uh, really deep diving and um, discussing a few punting theories with you uh, it's been uh, tremendous stuff thank you to Jen our producer as always looking forward to tomorrow as well a little luncheon on bit of my christmas party uh, a few of the podcast guests and a few a uh, few of uh, the wa racing fraternity so i reckon you might see a little picture or two a few little things floating on the twitter sphere as the afternoon presents and um until next week on the one one